millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, everyone. Welcome back. we got another episode of A Little More Good coming at you. But as always, we just like to do a little roll into the episode and I have someone really special with me here today. Um, Naya had joined me once before and the uh, the overwhelming response was less Zach, more kids. So we're, we're responding to your feedback and who have I got with me here today? Joelle Morris! Hey Joelle Morris, who are you? From the Morris family. Yeah, my youngest daughter. How old are you? Six. She's six, everybody. Six years old. In what grade? Grade one. Grade one. What's what's something you've like learned this year as a grade oneer? Ma- mathematique. Mathematique en français. Oui. Wow, mathematique en français. That's pretty good. What's two plus two? Four. What's uh, du plus du? Four. En français. Oh, it's true. It's true. She tells no lies, this little one. Okay, something exciting happened in your life kind of yesterday and this morning. Tell the people. So, my dad had to bump my tooth, and then I bumped my tooth, and then I got too wiggly, so I pulled it out this morning. That's right. We've got a lost tooth up in here. What are we going to do with that tooth? this evening I'm gonna put it under my pillow so I can get money wow from the tooth furry yeah amazing that's so cool yeah it's pretty exciting it was a pretty exciting time one of the front teeth has been lost and I have another wiggly tooth (laughs) and she's got another one so look out tooth fairy I hope you got lots of change in your little purse 
they see? No. no, no, they can't see. They just hear you. It's just a podcast. She was just wondering, can they see your front tooth? Unfortunately, they just got to imagine it. That's the good thing about podcasts. It helps us use our imaginations and our brains in different ways. That's cool, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so today uh, on the podcast, very excited to talk with the one and only Tiaga Prem. We were uh, fortunate to sit down with him and chat through his uh, his life, some of the stories that he has told, and um, some of the things that he's experienced that have brought him to be the person he is today. Very, very great conversation. He is um, a spiritual seeker, teacher, poet, uh, yogi, uh, just an amazing individual. And we were so grateful to be able to sit down and yeah, just share some conversation with him about uh, his life growing up as a young person, kind of exploring the idea of faith and spirituality and sort of some of the events that kind of tipped into a spiritual practice of his own. We talk about the story of his name, Tiaga Prem. Um, yeah, his young life, uh, we touch into rehab and the idea of reconciliation with yourself and with these spiritual practices and living kind of an aligned life, following intuition, finding uh, teachers and leaders as, as gurus and people who shape and sharpen your spiritual life, seeking your own path, meditation, and of course, life in the jungle it's incredible it's an incredible conversation and so we're so thankful for him but we uh yeah we we want to turn it over to tiaga prem and and uh share this story that he so gratefully shared with us and joelle do you have anything else to add for the people so a little sign off or something to say goodbye and enjoy the episode goodbye enjoy the episode (laughs) without any further ado tiaga prem all right, we're sitting here with Tiaga Pram. Thanks for joining us in sunny Steveston. Always sunny out here. We always kickstart things by with a little tourism for uh, Steveston. That's right. We toured you around the hub here, the yoga studio that we've got. So, you know, maybe maybe uh, just planting seeds. <laughs> Spend some more time in Steveston. <laughs> yeah. Do some I yoga, like it out here. plant some roots, you know. My daughter's grandparents live in South Surrey, so oh, yeah, okay. we drive okay. by on route from time to time. We'll yes. pass through on the way. Yeah, I heard, sure. it, I heard it's sunny in South Surrey, Surrey as well. Just don't let the seals eat your kids. <laughs> it's true. Dude, that <laughs> was the thing. That was, that's probably what Steveston's known for now, hey? Yeah. 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 I well, mean, more than that, but, but I remember seeing that and thinking like, how do you let your kid get that close to the pier or whatever? Even yeah. Like, they could just fall in no oh, seal yeah. necessary yeah 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 for those that don't know there's look it up on youtube sea lion steeston i think it's a sea lion yeah it's oh, sea lion it's a big california seal oh jeez. so uh a pretty, pretty traumatic event <laughs> a young a young girl <laughs> thinks it's a pet or something and goes to feed it and the sea lion pulls her into the water and her grandpa saves the day but yeah. go check it out on youtube i guess that's the good part is that in the end nobody gets hurt yeah. It just wakes everybody up. Yeah. Yeah. Sea Lion didn't get his full meal, but uh, <laughs> yeah, I think he right. got the fish and chips. Well, they yeah. said, they said, uh, this is like the most random start to a podcast <laughs> ever, but the, the marine biologist said because they were feeding, I guess, like fish, like from fish and chips off the dock. And the little girl was wearing like a white dress. So they said that probably what happened is the sea lion saw like the white of her dress as she like sat down. 
and thought it was a piece of fish and just like went up and grabbed it. Right. And down, like down she went. Yeah. And I mean, if you have seen or watched the video, like she's gone in a split second. Yeah, it's, it's really wild. intense. As a parent, like I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> like, yes. That part of you that goes like, how could you let that happen? <laughs> yeah. But anyhow. Beyond, beyond healthy risk. <laughs> beyond healthy risk. <laughs> yeah, that's I right. guess that it is a random start to a podcast, but when in Steveston, as that's they right. say. There you right. go. Be safe. Be safe. <laughs> well, I mean, sea lions aside, um, Diego Prem, you've always uh, had a space, whether it's physical or... Uh, just sharing conversation um, that I've appreciated and, and being open-minded and exploring. And, and I feel like you've always been a teacher and a student, uh, you know, a seeker and someone that uh, has found some some knowledge and some wisdom and some understanding while always seeking to, to learn more, or be proven wrong, or to, to find a new path. So I'd love to, to get into your story and, and just kind of walk our listener through, you know, from maybe from your teen years to, to now, but, uh, you know, maybe we could start with what's in a name because your name's not conventional. There's, there's purpose to a name. And when I was thinking about it, like there's intention with your name, there's meaning, um, with most of our names, the, our birth names, you know, maybe it's named after a grandma or a relative and there's meaning in that, but, Otherwise, it's like just we like how something sounds, you yeah. know, like I like the phonetics of these vowels and these letters together. And it's kind of like surface to to how we come to our names. So uh, Tiago Prem, that name uh, is a chosen name uh, that has has specific meaning. So maybe we can start. What's in a name? Yeah, sure. Well, I wasn't born with that name. I was born with the name Ryan. And when I was in the 10th grade in my homeroom class, there was seven other Ryans. And I was lucky enough to have a nickname as a kid, Reno, like Reno, Nevada. So I, I went by that for a long time, Reno. And then um, my start with yoga, I never did any postures or anything. I mean, we haven't really got to the yoga, but I'm a yogi and I was listening to that podcast of yours the other day where he was saying, uh, you know, when you do anything, see yourself as the bodybuilder and like talk about yourself as the bodybuilder. And I was like, I think about that with being a yogi. Like, what would a yogi do in this situation? Because there, that is part of me. That's the Tiaga Prem. But I'm still Ryan. Like, my mother doesn't call me Tiaga Prem or Reno, yeah. you know, but my childhood friends call me Reno. And I, when I was 16, this is a start for yoga, not standing on my head or anything, I found a book in a bookstore and uh, had a guy with hair like down to the ground. Uh, you know, unbeknownst to me, he's about six foot seven too. So just imagine like his name's Bhagavan Das, my first teacher. So when his hair is piled up on top of his head, I mean, he's seven feet tall, you know. And I just saw this book. Obviously, the book chose me. I can see looking back, like, why would I randomly grab this book off the shelf? And um, anyways, guy looked really cool, long hair, Westerner. And the book was called It's Here Now, Are You? Mm -hmm. uh, by Bhagavan Das. And I read that book. I've since read that book many times. And he's still alive. He introduced Ram Das to his Guru, so it's connected to the great Ramdas who left his body not too long ago. Mm -hmm. And um, anyhow, I was really moved by that and thought, I want to 
learn about this. Like this, I want to be like this guy, like Bhagwan Das, and also found out about Ram Das, and so I always wanted a spiritual name. And uh, I have a uh, like a living guru or teacher, like primary teacher. He's still alive. He's 83. He lives in New York City. He's been teaching yoga over 50 years, stronger and more flexible than most people I know, even at 83. For example, he uh, stopped doing handstands in his 70s for a bit. And then one day uh, recently, some people I know were in a class in New York, and he just goes up onto his hands with his feet in the air and drops over into a back arch and then stands up and everyone goes oh my god he hasn't done that in 10 years so my friend said to him like dharma his name is dharma mitra he said to him dharma i thought you don't do those anymore and he said i don't know my body just said do it you can do it so now i do that again and now he's still (laughs) continuing to just go with it you know that's amazing so anyways uh when i met him i'm moving fast here so i read the book we'll go back we'll go back okay for the name so i read the book when i'm 16 years and years go by i meet my teacher sri uh sri dharma mitra after studying um religion in college and blah 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 and uh dharma he I took an initiation. So in, in traditional yoga, you would be like, ask the person, like getting married, will you be my teacher? Like, uh, because they can say no. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they can be like, ah, you're not a great candidate. You're too lazy or, you know, whatever. So he agreed to do that. And he said, well, why don't you choose a spiritual name that you like? So I chose a name. And uh, he said, you should keep this name private just between us but you know i was young and egotistical so i came back and tried to make an announcement of this new name that i was going to be carrying and i went to the Hare krishna uh, temple nearby here right um for a celebration and when i was there he'd get uh, bless me with uh, mala for prayer or whatever and at the moment, nothing happened. It didn't snag on anything or catch on anything, nothing like that. The moment we walked into the Hare Krishna temple with my new name, feeling so proud, uh, the mala broke and the beads went everywhere. They spilled out onto the floor and rolled everywhere. And these little uh, Indian ladies were trying to help me. And I said, just leave it. And so I didn't carry the name. It didn't stick. Like, it was like, nice try. Yeah. <laughs> really, that's how I felt. So I left it, and I kept teaching as uh, Reno. Then years later, I um, started spending time with another spiritual teacher that I have and talked about him being on Ritual's podcast, Guru Singh. And uh, I received a spiritual name from that tradition. And the interesting thing is many of the spiritual names in that tradition are often inspired by the Sikh faith. But the name that I received have Sanskrit words, which are older than the Gurmukhi. The Gurmukhi language in the Sikh faith is not that old, 500 years or something like that. So uh, I got these Sanskrit words, and people that's sort of odd. Like normally people give Gurmukhi names. And Tiaga is like the essence of the Bhagavad Gita, which is, you know, big yoga text. A lot of people in India following that text. It was really influential to so many people, including Martin Luther King, even as a Christian. Uh, the essence of Bhagavad Gita is Tiaga, which means like to renounce the fruits of your actions or to do good simply because it 
must be done, not expecting anything in return. Mm. That's essentially what it means. And then prem, or if you go to Punjab in northern India, they would pronounce it prem, 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 potato, potato, you know, <laughs> all that. Uh, so tiaga prem or tiaga prem, to me, it means like only keep what is love and then leave the rest, like renounce everything else, like minimalism. Oh, can you put love in that? Yeah, okay, great, we'll keep it, you know, mm. otherwise leave it. And so when I got that name, I, I tried to leave that name a couple times too, you know, and we can talk about it later, but there was some pain and, and error amongst that tradition that I followed. And I kept trying to put the name down, like, oh, I'll just go by this other name and it's easier for people because I say Tiaga Prem and then people just call me Tiaga and then they're leaving the love out and I don't want them to leave the love out. And then every time I meet somebody, I'm having this long conversation about how you have to say both names together and da 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 da. Or if you shorten it, it's TP and who wants to be <laughs> TP, you know, like that kind of thing. So I've tried to get rid of the name you know like the cat came back you all yeah, know yeah. that's hung like yeah. you put the cat out and then you open the door and the next day it's still there so anyhow looking at my life that name has really been what it's all about is like this letting go of whatever doesn't uh, serve for uh, love or compassion or kindness and it's been a long haul of getting rid of stuff mm. um and uh, initially the name carried the uh, name Singh, which is like uh, the name of somebody in uh, the Sikh tradition. Originally, not so much now, but originally somebody who's taken vows to walk that path. And I experimented with taking vows in that tradition, but eventually became clear that that's not um, my path to take vows. But I'm still inspired. I have Guru Nanak tattooed on my wrist. Like, I, it's very dear to me. But I just thought, that's not it. Um, I'm not meant to take vows. So I've now landed at the Singh needs to be honored and respected. And people who have taken vows and taken Amrit and want to live that lifestyle, which is a very big commitment and should be revered, in my opinion, um, I'll leave that for them and I'll keep Tiaga Prem. And then the last thing that I'll say is when I was trying to get rid of the name, <laughs> my uh, one of my teachers, his daughter, I didn't know she was pregnant, and sometimes I'm a bit thick. Like, I don't, I'm, duh. Like, people are like, why didn't you know? Like, it was obvious. I'm like, I don't know. It I'm was? Just, <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I was in Seattle, and we were there. Uh, my teacher was doing a teaching in a beautiful Buddhist center down in uh, Seattle. And his, his daughter was saying to me, oh, you know, uh, what does your name mean to you? And she was asking me all these questions. And I thought, sort of odd, but oh, okay. Like, I just assume you're Guru Singh's daughter. You must know all, everything or something, you know, funny. And then um, I just sort of left, it, left, like, oh, she sure asked me a lot of questions about my name. Anyhow, she had a... Uh, a baby and she gave the name Tiaga which is the same name that I carry and the baby there was some complications and the baby didn't survive and it was really heavy you know and I when I was trying to release this name and go back to this old version of myself 
I kept being reminded of this, uh, you know, great teacher. Like to watch somebody who inspires me as a spiritual mentor process the death of a grandchild. So uh, I don't know what the right word for it is, but elegantly or with so much grace and class and like it was unbelievable, mm-hmm. you know, especially as a parent to observe that. And I just thought, this is a part of your story. So just teach with the name. And so I teach, like, this is an opportunity for us to come together and teach and share as teachers and students. But if somebody calls me Reno or somebody calls me Ryan, that's fine. It's no problem. But at this point, there have been so many little divine cues that are like, this is part of who you are. And it's been pretty cool to the other side of me having to, oh, God, Tiago Pram, it's like this. It's from India. Or in uh, in Mexico, I've been living in Latin America. Everyone wants to call you Tiago because it's a Spanish name. And it's like, no, it's Indian and blah, blah, blah. But the positive side is, if I'm, like I said, I'm going to try and focus on the positive, is I get an opportunity to share with someone, well, the idea is is to remember love. And it's easy to forget. And so if we do our best to leave anything that isn't love, then we improve our lives. And other, and, and a lot of people say, oh, I really like that. Yeah. Well, then we're having a real conversation and not just like, hi, I'm from Canada. You're from Mexico. Oh, nice. Nice to meet you. Do you like tacos? Like we're all of a sudden talking about love. Yeah. So it is an incredible entrance point. And sometimes I don't feel equipped to carry it, but I am making peace with mm. with it. And also, that's what I wanted anyway. So you, I got what I wanted, just not in the way I thought I would. Mm. So there's uh, that's the long <laughs> yeah. story. The story of the name. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. It's interesting, like just the meaning of the name. Dean and I were chatting yesterday about abundance and how you know we seek abundance, but often we live in distraction. And I think uh, there's parallels to your name, like just to – remember remind yourself does this does this live in love um love being the abundance and like kind of gives you a value system a reminder to like the path to to follow to kind of sweep away the distraction or the things that aren't serving love and to live in that in that actualization so mm-hmm. that's cool I, I need, I'm in the remedial love class. I need constant reminders to show up and soften and even take a breath, like take a breath and listen, like, you know, so hopefully the name will help me to remember. Yeah. 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 It's interesting too hearing you share about it and how it's like something you, you wanted to kind of leave behind or let go of, but it wouldn't leave you. And even in that, it's kind of like pulling you forward into that posture and into that person who will remember love and will choose to stand in and act in a place of love because it's one thing to to say it and we, you know, we all like hum the Beatles tune, right? And love that. But to actually, when, when the rubber hits the road, it's like you you literally are confronted with it when someone's calling your name or asking you a question or that conversation of like, wait, how, how what's your name? And you're constantly reminded and it is it's kind of cool that it is your name the name that is like pulling you into that version of yourself always right leading you forward i just love i think that's really really powerful yeah it makes it difficult to 
hide. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just stay too long. In yeah, the, yeah. The darkness. We'll get we'll get to the darkness at some point. Um, maybe I mean we kind of dabbled on on some of your origins there, but um, I do think your journey's um, inspiring and interesting and, and dynamic through sports and music and and various you know spiritual practices. Um, and sobriety and addiction, just like I, I feel like you've lived a life that of the the student, the seeker, the teacher. So maybe we can rewind things back to, you know, the young, the young Ryan Reno <laughs> that was, you know, a hooper, putting up big numbers on the court. Uh, you know, maybe we can start there and and get to where you are today. And and Dean and I will kind of be your your audience, and we'll ask some questions along the way. Sure. Um, yeah. Well, let's start with that that basketball life. Like, yeah, for sure we can. Uh, well, as I was mentioning before the show, I was uh, son of a pastor. So when I was a kid, my family didn't have a lot. You know, I was born in Moose Jaw, Saskatchewan, which is a pretty cool thing to have on your birth certificate. Yeah. You know, people <laughs> when you travel, we've traveled a lot. My my partner and my child and people are always like, "Come on." There's a place in Canada called Moose Jaw, yeah. Saskatchewan. It feels like only in Canada, right? Yeah. You're, like, hey. You're like, yeah, I was born there. I mean, I only <laughs> lived there for a year, like long enough to get a cool, you know, a cool uh, birthplace on yeah, the ticket. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, but anyways, I say that to say like, you know, my parents, my mom was like 20 years old when she had me and my sister. That's like unbelievable to me like to think about how old I am now and to be like I would have adult children like it was a different reality and I think for a lot of people in that generation that's true but because they were just kids and they were trying to do the right thing there was a lot of like dogmatic um, religiosity in my upbringing and you know it's my mom later on, you know, we made peace through time, but uh, she said, like, I think you were born to, like, push us and challenge us because I was, like, right from the get-go, I've always been a mystic, even as a kid. Mm. Like, my parents were like, Jesus is coming back and to save everyone. And I would just, like, heard that in church one day, and I sat by the door when we got home waiting, and my mom had been looking for me for hours, like, where's where's Ryan? And then I'm by the door. She's like, what are you doing by the door? I was like, waiting for Jesus. You think he'll come today? Like, I took everything as real. Like, a part of me was like, this is real. Mm-hmm. And I thought, people would just tell me the truth and maybe they were attempting to tell me the truth but I always looked at the spiritual side of things as real like Mm. I didn't have a doubt as a child I guess like childlike faith natural born mystic yes you know believe in magic yeah totally and uh and then when I started to hear about other faiths and other uh you know masters for lack of a better word you know sages that's the better let's go with that one yeah um i was mesmerized by that but for my folks like they were like uh yikes this is not a good thing like this is the devil or something evil or they just uh, it's ignorance yeah it's like i don't know what to do with this um Lucky enough for me, I had a family friend who's a, I still am close with him that I called uncle, not a biological uh, uncle, 
But he saw the interest that I had in these things, and he said, okay, well, if he's interested in Buddhism, like, let's get him to the temple or to the museum or to the... And was unwavering in his own faith, but also was like, that's what you do. Like, that's what Jesus would do, which is a rare <laughs> thing. You know, like, normally it's like, we must keep him away yes. at all costs. Yeah, burn, <laughs> burn the books. <laughs> which actually happened in my life. Oh like, my. I had my mom take away books and records and, no. like, band, you know. So which I, really, which really like works, right? Oh man, it, it just make makes you, you hate, it just makes you hate everything they stand for, yeah, right? Yeah. So anyhow, um, I say all of that to to just be like, I had a lot of challenges at home, and uh, as a result of that, and um, but I still had the faith, like I like I talked to God all the time, you know, and and I was like, how can like, I just didn't make sense. Like, it's like all this talk about this, like, compassionate being that is there for you no matter what. And then there's all these, like, <laughs> rules and stipulations. You're like, what about the no matter what part? Yeah. You know, that kind of thing. So lucky for me, I had uh, basketball. I would say it was, like, really my first spiritual practice, you know? Like, for me... I had faith that didn't come from the all the rules were a turnoff, mm -hmm. but the having like a teacher, like I had basketball coaches, I had you know having guides. I had uh, Reggie Miller. I was like a diehard Reggie Miller uh, fan. I wanted to play like him. You know, he was the before Steph. It was Reggie, in my opinion. Oh yeah, you know yeah. <laughs> the original sharpshooter. What, what yeah. was his What was his like nickname on the court? Uh, Oh, I, I actually don't know. Oh man! If you can come up with the with it, I mean, I had the the jersey, and yeah. if anybody could have beat the Bulls, it was the anyone came and close. It was the Pacers, yeah. and he had this like next to MJ for that time. He had the most swagger. You know, he had confidence. He had oh, like yeah. a personality. Yeah. Like yeah, Reg I love Reggie that. was likable. You know. It's a, uh, actually, he wrote a book about his life. I read it years and years ago, but if you're ever interested in something that's inspiring and basketball-centered, uh, he wrote a book called I Love Being the Enemy by Reggie Miller. Wow. <laughs> and you, you know that we're kind of going aside here, but I'll just throw it, throw it in because it's a cool story. He was like a Forrest Gump. Like he had leg braces on as wow. a kid, and people thought that he would never run. Like, just wow. like the Forrest Gump movie. Yeah. And then when he was a little bit older, like his sister obviously was a powerhouse basketball player, and he would have to, like, sit and watch her play from the kitchen window and be like, that'll never be me. Oh, you man. Know? And, but he overcame. And then when he started playing, he rode the pine at the start, like almost never played. And uh, he somebody forgot their jersey or something in an away game and they were down to like the last of it and they let him play and he's put up like 27 points yeah. or something and uh, before that his coach had told him that his play wasn't worth 50 cents and you know he used to wear the sweatbands on one he had a quarter under each, each wrist one. no way yeah that's amazing so you see what i'm saying like that for me like those that was my spiritual practice like oh that's so cool that's so inspiring if he can do it i can do it like that's for me, that's what it was. And also basketball continues to be uh, spiritual practice. But the challenge that I faced is that I got uh, had a serious injury when I was around uh, 16 years old, and I couldn't play for a season. Mm. And I was not equipped for that 
because I was struggling at my house big time. And then you took away the one thing that was keeping me yeah. at school, keeping me, you know, mm. clear headed. Discipline. Yeah. And so it was just like everything fell apart. Things got really bad at home. And I was just like, you know what? Forget this. I'm out. And I left home. You know, I was like, I'm, I can't do this anymore. And uh, so I left. I got into all kinds of trouble as a youth. Like I was just couch surfing at people's houses, wandering around. I had, you know, I got into Buddhism through Jack Kerouac and that kind of thing. So like I had train hopper friends and graffiti people and just characters that I was like, these people are more accepting than my good Christian home. Yeah. So that's what I did. Mm. And then eventually, you know, I got brought home in a police car or something because my mom had filed a missing persons report because I'm still a minor at this point, you know. Like, yeah. I haven't filled out any kind of paperwork that says I can take care of myself. I just disappeared. And um, that's when I found this book by Bhagavan Das, you know. And I was like, who, who knew at the time it was going to change my life forever? But after that, like, cops bring me home. I tell them, I'm just going to leave out the back door. Like, I'm not staying. And they're like, well, it's our job to bring you home. So anyhow, my parents were very reasonable, uh, you know, because they were probably afraid. Like, I didn't see it from their perspective then. As yeah. a parent now, I'm like, oh, my God, I can't even imagine <laughs> yeah. what that would yeah. have been like, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. Yeah. Yeah. Like, where's Marley? Don't know. Haven't seen her in a couple of weeks. Like, that would be yeah. horrifying. So, sorry, Mom. <laughs> um, but anyways, we were able to, like, come to an agreement where, like, at least I could finish school. And I went back, and I went back to the basketball team, and I played well. And so I did get a – I mean, I've had so many second chances in my life, but that was one of the big ones. I went back, and I finished school. And then when I got out of school, I just pushed away from everything. I didn't go to college. I probably could have gone and played hoops, but I just had all this turmoil from mm -hmm. my relationships with them. And this inner, like, I feel so called to the spiritual life, but it's just, like, not allowed. Like, I didn't know what to do with that. I didn't yeah. have the tools to, like, now I get it. I'm like, no wonder you you had this way that you wanted to live that you're being told you can't, like, mm -hmm. and your brain isn't even fully developed yet. So what do you do with that, you know? Um, and so I, st you know, it just was like, well, I love music then. So I started DJing and being around and playing in bands, and I lo always loved music. So I would just do that, and then that came with the party lifestyle and all that stuff, and just pulled away from school, and things really got out of hand for me. And I went to my first uh, drug rehabilitation live-in center when I was in my early 20s because I just couldn't manage it anymore. Like, I was just like, things were getting worse and mm -hmm. worse, and, uh, you know, stealing from people and just criminal behavior alongside addictive uh, behavior. Right. And I just couldn't cope. But I always had that spiritual side. And if you listen to any of my work, you hear me talk about this concept of the inner knower. And to me, that's what Guru is or Holy Spirit, or you can call it whatever you want. But there's this like inner guide that's always with you that is telling you, you know, like where you're called. And, and I spent so long ignoring that 
part of me. Like the first time I drank alcohol, I was 13 years old. I remember this like inner voice going, this isn't for you. And I've been being like, everybody's in. Woo, yeah, <laughs> let's go, you know. Yeah. And like I spent so many years of my life ignoring that inner voice. Mm-hmm. And that inner voice, like that's the same thing. The inner voice is like, you know, look into this yoga thing. Look into like why are you so inspired by the Buddha or by Jesus outside of the religiosity? Like look there and just being like, yeah, yeah. and Or being embarrassed. Like mm-hmm. I was embarrassed of that too because – Maybe it's different now for kids, but for me, like I, I would go like with my uncle to the like Buddhist exhibits, and it would be downtown where like some of the kids I'd get high with or whatever be around. And I'd just make sure they don't see me. Yeah, because it wasn't like it's not something that kids are doing. It just like, didn't make sense. Yeah, let's go learn about other like belief systems or practices, spiritual practices that people are doing around the world. It's like what, what? Yeah. No, like come and let's get high or let's let's go get drunk or go shoot hoops or skate or whatever. Exactly. Yeah. I think we're our our era, I'm gonna loop us all in together, are kind of like products of like peak toxic masculinity too, like mm-hmm. where spirituality wasn't masculine. Um things like yoga weren't masculine. So like to do things that were outside of that convention of like play sports, be hard, drink alcohol. Yeah. Whatever. Like it was like it you wasn't know. even around. Like when I, I mean, yoga, like when I read that book, I didn't know what that was. Yes. Yeah. Like. That's a new, that's a new word. It was completely new. Yeah. I'd never seen anything like it. Like I was like, who is this wild looking character? <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, yeah. where now it's a little, the world is smaller because of, mm-hmm. you know, you, I mean, it's still distorted. Like yeah. The, you know, corporate side of these mm. things. And, you know, we don't have to go down that road, but I would just was like. I didn't know what to do with it, but there was this inner knower piece going like, yeah, here's the path. Like, yeah. And going, what the hell do I do with this? Yeah. You know, especially when I wasn't supported to explore that. Yeah. Like it was like, that's bad. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that carries some weight with it because even though part of me knows it's not bad, I'm still a kid yeah. being told by the people who love me that I'm wrong and mm-hmm. bad. Mm-hmm. That's a hard burden to carry so how did you break through that barrier well i went to rehab (laughs) (laughs) yeah you know and it was a christian rehab and like this is a great kind of rounding the bend with my mom because i went it was a year program a year that's heavy i remember i walked into that place and the guy in there he you know he he had like a he pulled up in like a 57 Chevy or something. He had a badass mustache, much cooler than mine. <laughs> and uh, he had tattoos and, and I was for my intake. And he goes, you know, this place is harder than jail. Because he had been in jail for manslaughter. He told me like when he was younger. And he's helping young men get back on their feet. And he said, this place is harder than jail. You know why? I said, why? Because you can walk out anytime. You can just leave. And he goes, good luck. You know, like yeah. he was real. And at the time, I was like, holy shit, this guy's scary. (laughs) (laughs) I'll leave now. Yeah, yeah. 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 So I was like, okay, this inner knower is like, you've got to do something, man. Like, just do something. Because I I have that calling. Like, my, I didn't feel a calling to drink. I didn't even feel a calling to, like, like I, I traveled around playing music and people celebrated my talents, but I never felt like this is it for me. I didn't have that. Like, I felt like an imposter, Hmm. basically. But I had this inner, like, spiritual bit yeah, <laughs> that yeah. I didn't know what to do with, right? And so I went, 
And I went, stayed for three months. And then I was like, I'm, I'm done. I, there's no way I can do this. Hardest thing I've ever done in my life. You know, yeah. it was on a farm. They're not like, you know, processing and selling like a hobby farm. You had, you know, the animals don't go anywhere. You just take care of them yeah. kind of a thing. So I had responsibilities. I had to make my bed. I had to get up at a certain time. I had to like, you know, military experience. <laughs> and I was like, screw this. I'm out. And I was like, I can do this. I've got three months under my belt. I can stay clean. I'm good. And I last about maybe a week and I was sliding back in. And even as a young, dumb (laughs) man, (laughs) young boyish man, uh, I was like, yo, this is not, you can't do it. Yeah. Like I knew I had a problem basically. So I went back and that was hard because if you go back, you got to start from day one. Day one. You don't get to start at day 91. Yeah. You know? And that required a lot of humility, too, because you know what? Those same people who, that you said, screw this place, I'm out. I'll see you later, guys. You're like, I'm back, guys. <laughs> what did I miss? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so when I got out of, uh, uh, I finished. You know, you what? stayed there for the whole yeah. year? Wow. I finished. And when I was there, I probably saw 50 men come through and five finish. Wow. Wow. Yeah, it was uh, intense. But the beautiful thing, what I was going to say about my mom's is they were very strict about what you could read in there. You know, it had to be like, there are some great Christian books, but there's also a lot of trash. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. Like stuff that you're like, this is brainwashing. Like... So I did find some good stuff, like Johnny Cash. You know, Johnny Cash wrote a book about the Apostle Paul. Highly Apostle recommend. Really? You, know, you could read his life story, The Man in Black. That was allowed. Like I did, I, I was on it, man. Like yeah. I'm nerdy like that. I'm like, they had a little library. I was like, Johnny Cash, okay, well, I'll read that. You know? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, and then like, no, 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 no. Oh, what's this? Yeah, like yeah. That kind There's of thing. some good things. <laughs> yeah. So you explored the limits of... Uh, I did my best. And then my mom's, she was going through... My parents split up because, I mean, who could manage a kid like me? I have no idea. <laughs> I had a lot of energy, as I mentioned to you before the podcast so my mom was going through this spiritual sort of revolution of her own she had Mm. split with my dad um and she was exploring things that she never got to because she was a child with children yeah you know like 20 years old you said yeah and before that she her mother was 16 when she had my mom wow you know like that yeah like what do you do with that and so she started to like, oh, maybe I'll try a little meditation. Maybe there is something to this. Like she kind of opened up. And then like in the movies, you know, when the people are smuggling into the jail with the contraband, moms was smuggling the books in as I'd Ooh, been there for a while. Okay. So I got that Bhagavan Das book that yeah. I love. She sl- slipped it right in. in on a visit <laughs> or like some books in Buddhism. And I love Jesus and still do, but I don't really... F- subscribe to any idea that it like it must be this way Mm. because what inspires me about somebody like jesus is that he didn't do that anybody who said it must be this way he called that shit out 100 that's what's so inspiring about it yeah it's like who who are the people that he was really challenging the religious right who are the people he was really elevating the marginalized yeah like, how does that get left out of the story? It's, it's wild to me. It's like central to the story. You're like, right? are we reading the same book here? Because uh, <laughs> I've, asked that, I've asked that question many times. I don't understand. 
<laughs> have you read it while you're holding up to yell at people? Yeah, I think I lots think of so. people I have oh not God. read it too. That's the other part. I just, when I was away, I read the Bible again, cover to cover. And every, I've done it before. And every time I read it, I go, this is a book that goes over and over and over. And this is what happens. People start treating each other badly. Something happens to wake them up. They start treating each other well. Then they start treating each other badly. Then they for, something happens to wake them up. Then they start treating each other well. And this goes on and on and on and yes. on. And, and here we are, 2022, yeah. still doing it. Same thing. <laughs> yes. Oh, man, it's unreal. So so anyways, that's what I did. I went to rehab. And when I got out, it's I kind of say it like this. It softened my edges. Mm. Like I, I didn't get clean. You know, I don't even really like that language. But I didn't get sober until uh, years later. But it changed, like, the criminal behavior and this, like, angry person, I wasn't the same, you know. And I was doing funny things. Oh, and my mom snuck me to some yoga. Like, she had a friend who taught yoga. Like, not, not like, you know, lycra outfits and all of that. But we would sit and do meditation. And so on my day pass, my mom would take me and I would go to meditate and ask a million questions like this woman's like who is this kid he's come from rehab with a million questions about why this and why that and how can we do that and and uh yeah so we that healed a lot for my relationship with with my mom you you had mentioned that before she kind of identified you as someone that would like kind of push their boundaries or limits or whatever or understanding did that did that conversation ever get picked back up again? Like as she started to like oh, yeah. you books? Oh or, yeah. She yeah. like I mean now my mom's gone almost like way off and <laughs> like she's like, We can't make a decision until I've consulted the five pundits or you know, like you're like you know what, mom, you can also make a decision from your own inner knowing. You don't need a psychic. Like she's gone way uh, Okay, off and, interesting. But she's, you know, she does the Dr. Joe Dispenza. Mm-hmm. She goes to his uh, okay. gatherings and she meditates. And it's really cool because I get that she'll be like, oh, yeah, let's do a Dr. Joe thing. It's online. I say, okay, I'll do it. And then I said, you know, mom, this is all classical yoga but just repackaged and isn't that cool like i'm not frustrated by it i'm like my mom's not gonna sit down and like read the vedas or something you know or like try and put her leg behind her head come on (laughs) that's not gonna happen but that works for me i love the ancient philosophy and all of that but to think like somebody's you know um amplifying the wisdom of these traditions and saying it in a way that somebody like my mom is going to connect to so she gets the benefit of it that's so cool mm. you know yeah so i love that and so we've we have a karmic relationship of we hated each other and now we get each other yeah so isn't that cool you know that's beautiful yeah does she does she track with like a, a church community or anything like that anymore is this that no she's just kind of transcended beyond that you know um uh have you heard of that guy erwin mcmanus yes yeah she likes that guy okay yeah 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 and so do i actually yeah inspiring definitely mosaic i think mosaic Mosaic. is his community yeah yeah Yeah. so i mean and she also likes uh michael beckwith oh agape uh, Mm -hmm. spiritual center or whatever yeah yeah so that's what i did to to heal and then when i got out then i was like okay well i can explore yoga but i didn't know like still didn't know it's what to do like i'm a 
Western kid growing up in the church with a spiritual calling. And my father is an intellectual. So I thought, okay, well, I'll, you want, it's like, you want to be a dentist? You go to university and you study dentistry. So I was like, well, I want to be a yogi. <laughs> so I guess I'll just study religion in college. So that's what I did. I went to college and I studied religion and um, still never, n no postures or anything like that. It was a rare for a Western person. Usually they're like doing all this sweaty stretching stuff and then they go, oh, actually this is this whole spiritual tradition, you know, or whatever. So I studied academically and then uh, I was still drinking. Like, I I'm like, well, at least it's not... It's not that bad. Like, it's always a justification, right. right? And I know from working with people in addiction, that's a common thing in the addiction brain. It's like, well, at least it's not. And it's like, that's not how addiction works. You can't measure it by the severity on paper, mm -hmm. the substance. It's about the behavior. The behavior is what we want to look at, right. not what is the substance. It could be, you know... Uh, Sh looking at your phone or something yeah, yeah like okay. it could addiction this is what i think anyways addiction is any repeated behavior that produces negative results that you continue to participate in that's yeah, it that's so good. whatever that is you know so i don't i stop that but that is a addiction working going well at least oh it's only a bottle of wine it's not that bad at least it's not crack it's like as soon as somebody's saying that you're like it is crack yeah that's crack that yeah. you're talking about yeah, because you know? <laughs> yeah. you're you're ex trying to make an excuse yeah. and not admitting like, oh, there might be some something might be off about this. Well, that's just the thing. I think it comes back. I love what you said about like that internal knowing or your knower. Yeah, like most people who are saying that are trying to justify it to themselves, yeah. not anyone else. Yeah, because they know inside. Oh man, it's not this, for me. Yeah, yeah, and yet that's the often the the thing we used to like dull over or replace the work that we actually need to do yeah and we know we're, we're caught i yeah. don't want to face it but at least i'm not as bad as whatever this could be so you kind of get caught in this cycle yeah and it is it is just that's the addiction and you can always find somebody who's doing worse than you to excuse your bad behavior totally <laughs> yes yes and then it, it, it has that that double kind of effect even though it's it's not true it doesn't last but it like it gives you that sense of feeling better or superior yeah well at least i'm not like that guy yeah totally there is right. definitely hierarchy oh, yeah. involved in yeah. that situation um so, you know, I did soften my behavior, which is good. Mm. And I was going sneaking to yoga and I would get up earlier in the farm. Once I'd been there for a while, I'd get up early and I would do like what I thought was yoga. I, I did stuff like that. Oh, that's cool. And then, you know, because some part of me knew. Yeah. That's yeah. the thing. Some part of me kept pushing me in Move this direction. That. And so then I went to college and I kept drinking and I still played music and traveled around and people would invite me places and i i remember one day i would just played a show in edmonton and i woke up in the hotel and i was really hungover like rock star hungover not like oh maybe one too many glasses of sherry by the fire <laughs> like more like keith richards style hangover. Oh, yeah. and i'm laying in the hotel and i was just like i fucking hate this i don't mm. know if i can swear but yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, that's how I felt, like yeah. just to emphasize it, not just for reckless swearing. I literally was like every cell in my body was like, this is horrible. Right. And uh, people would be like, that was so great. Isn't that awesome? You get paid to travel around and play music. And I was just like, I hate this. Mm. 
and I I can remember that moment. And I went and I had I went to the University of Saskatchewan eventually because the dean of the religious studies program he was a Westerner but a yogi he'd been practicing yoga since 1967 he married a Tibetan woman he had lived in Dharamsala uh, later he had kids and one of them is like one of the main designers of the iPhone and the other one played for the Boston Red Sox oh my something. gosh like just why <laughs> that's wild, crazy right? Uh, but I was just really taken by him. He spoke seven languages. He, you know, he could speak to the scriptures, and and he was going through uh, a divorce at the time, and he was in, in a bad place. And I had just started doing some postures, even though I was having these Keith Richards hangover moments. So I was kind of like helping him get back into the practice, and he was helping me. And we created. He was more of a mentor than a professor mm. at that point. And so I had this moment, and then I went back, and he, he said, "You know what? Like you're a yogi. You're like, it, where, why are you here?" And I was like, "Well, I would like to be a religious studies professor because I was trying to follow the model, right? Right?" And he goes, "You need to go out and practice this stuff and learn as much as you can, and share it. Mm. And then when you're old, like me, if you want to be a professor, go back to school." And otherwise, you're wasting your money," he said. And then he said, "And don't tell the university <laughs> that I'm giving <laughs> you this advice." That's right. And so I took his advice, wow. and I so I I quit. I got married when I uh, was in school. I was young. Uh, we got married young, like my parents, like 20. I was like, "Oh, well, I'll go to college and get married." And again, following the program. Mm -hmm. And I was like, the marriage f dissolved, fell apart. And I was like, I'm going to go back to uh, Calgary where I grew up. And I'm going to, um, at this point, I'm studying more yoga. And I'm like, I'm just going to study. I'm going to teach. Uh, that's what I'm going to do. And I went back to Calgary. And same thing as when I left the farm. It was like two weeks in, playing shows and parties, making money. I mean, I never really had a real job. Like when I was a kid, I left home as a teenager. I could always hustle, making money in music, and always just crafty like that. Like, oh, yeah. like an entrepreneur or something, yeah. you yeah. know, but with street sense. So I was always on the, oh, yeah, okay, I could do this, and I could do that, and we could throw a party, and we could make this money. Like I was always like that. So I never had a job. So when I went back to Calgary, well, my friend owns a club and my friend owns a record shop. And it's like, oh, I'll just drop back in easy money, yeah, you know, but not worth it. So I was like, I talked to my mom. She had consulted some psychic. At this point, she's consulting the uh, <laughs> Sears. Yeah. And she said, you need to move to Vancouver. I was like, what <laughs> that's not in the cards like what do you mean i'm not moving to vancouver <laughs> yeah i don't know what i'm gonna do my marriage just ended i'm uh, you know i'm i'm i know i want to do yoga like that's and you know and i had done some trainings at that point you know we're f kind of flying along but i had then done some postures and been in school and studied the scriptures and i was ready still a student but i wanted to share yeah so i took her advice i went I was dating, I started dating a girl a little bit, and uh, she was, like, really fancy, you know? Like, she worked at, for Gucci. She worked for Gucci. Oh, my like, goodness. Uh, and she, like, dressed really nice. And, and my mom was always like, why do you date that girl? She can't even open the door by herself, <laughs> like, you know? So, anyway, she was moving to Vancouver, and my mom said, just move with her. 
And then I was like, yeah, but I thought you didn't like think that would work out. She's like, doesn't matter if it works out. Just go. Go, yeah. yeah. That's your ticket. Yeah. yeah. So huh. I rocked one last party on uh, Halloween. It was Halloween. We rocked the party, did it up right, and uh, lots of people. And then the next day, uh, hung over, drove to Vancouver. And when I got here, I was like, I made a commitment that I was going to study and practice yoga and teach. So I did for many years. But I kept, I just couldn't put the bottle down, man. Mm. Like I... Things were getting better. Like I was, on, I, like I said, I'm on the remedial program. Like I knew what I had to do, but I just, it took me a long time. Like we're talking over a 20 year span, what we're talking about now. And uh, that's when I met my teacher, Sri Dharma Mitra, during that time. One day my mom said to me, she was visiting, she said, if you could do anything, what would you do? Anything. Money's no issue. What would you do? said well there's this guy he's i have a bunch he he made this famous poster of him doing 908 yoga postures and crazy stuff like one hand handstand with his feet on top of his head and like all this wild stuff but he this is before iphones he made this in the 1980s as a blessing to his teacher he took all the pictures of himself Sometimes he would hold the clicker for the camera in his mouth and push the button with his tongue. Like, And he told me some postures he had to fast like two weeks just to get the body to go there. Like wow. really wild. Fully committed. Yeah, fully. Like, And still he's, I talked about him at the start, Sri Dharma Mitra in 83 doing these crazy handstands yeah. and stuff. So I, I had seen the picture and he had this little book. It's like a little square and... Uh, it had all the pictures of him doing all these things. I said, I would go and find this guy, like, you know, from the book. She said, do you know if he, like, teaches? Have you looked into it? And I was like, well, I know he's in New York, and New York's far, and I'm in Vancouver, and I don't have any money. You know how we do that? Yeah, like, self-select out. <laughs> yeah, all here's the all the why. reasons why I'm going to fail. Yes. And so why bother? <laughs> yes. Yeah. So I was, I, I, she said, well, look into it. So maybe you can go and study with him. So I looked into it. Sure enough, he teaches publicly. So I went and I spent a couple of years studying. Not, I didn't live there, but I would go back and forth. And, um, But man, I was still doing like, it's amazing how long I did that. Like I would go to New York. I would go and in New York, they called city that never sleeps for a reason. I would go out. We'd go, I'd be in like some karaoke bar at like 3.30 in the morning in the Lower East Side. And I'd be like, oh man, I got to be at the center in three hours. So I would go crash for three hours, show up smelling horrible, I'm sure. I mean, at the time I didn't notice and go <laughs> through all the programs and just and i just did both like i was like this drinking party guy reno and then soon to be tiago prem like i was these two i mean i have lemmy from motorhead on this wrist tattooed and guru nanak from the sikh faith on this the wrist tattooed and the reason why is because that's been my life like like, you're living two lives yeah i'm like let's go like yeah and then i'm like okay we're going to go deep into the meditation and i've always sort of been like that yeah like i heard uh, madonna say i always knew i was either going to be a nun or a rock star i can relate you can feel that <laughs> oh yeah. yeah big time so so anyhow i i really dharma changed the game for me though because i was always looking for 
how does all of these like yoga poses fit into what I had learned from my mentor in college around the spiritual tradition of yoga? Like there's a disconnect. How does this like naked guy covered in ashes who renounces all worldly possessions, a sadhu in India, connect to the like 20 something blonde, beautiful, like actress who also practices yoga in New York and has all the latest fashions like, how do these fit together? Right. Like, it just didn't. And I, I'm an athlete, like we said. Like, I love hoops, still love it. But, like, I, it wasn't enough for me to just, like, sweat. But, like, I wanted the spiritual side. And so I always had all these, like, here's my meditation person over here, and here's the church that I will sometimes go and just not tell anyone I was there over here. And then I had the, like, really intense yoga teacher who could do all these amazing postures over here. And then I had my professor who knew about the scriptures over here. Like I had all these, like a team of people. And then when I met Dharma, it was like, he was living it. Mm -hmm. He was an ascetic when he was young, like nine years of his life. He lived in the ashram. Like he lived it full on. He was like giving people free sprouts when they would come to yoga and encouraging them to like eat a raw vegan diet in the eighties. Like Aww. before that was a thing. Like he, he was amazing and he knew the scriptures and he could do all of these things and he never pushed anything on anybody. Like, you know, they say with the drug dealer when you're a kid, they said the drug dealer will give you the first one free. I never had that experience, but I was warned of that <laughs> by, you know, yeah. my parents or whatever. Dharma's a bit like that, but with the real yoga, like he's yeah. like, oh yeah, you know, um, watch this. And then he'd do something crazy. And then they'd be like, oh, how do you do that? He'd be like, oh, I can show you. And then he's showing them. He's like, and by the way, there's this spiritual tradition. And next thing you know, the person is chanting and has changed their name. And, <laughs> you know, like he, because he's a real deal, like yeah. a living embodiment of it. And, uh, and he's right there in New York, like right there in Manhattan nestled in amongst all the madness so yeah you, so he opened the curtains to what was possible oh man he uh, for sure opened the curtains and that was the beginning of like uh i think you're gonna have to put the bottle down okay that's what i mean like it was like okay here here i, I was able to kind of operate in all these worlds party world and nobody would know from party world about my spiritual life mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. I could, crossing over yeah and then with <laughs> dharma like it was like i want to be like that guy you know, same thing as when I read the Bhagavan Das. It was happening again. Like I was having an experience with the Guru. Not him elevated above me, but seeing myself right. through him. Like he was holding a mirror. Like this is what you're... And we had opened a Dharma Yoga Center in uh, Yale Town during this time with my partner. And we were sharing what he taught. But I was still on the bottle. It was like the last thing to go. And I was eating healthy. I was at that time, man. I my practice was otherworldly. Like I could do insane tricks. Like my grandma would be like, my grandma would visit, be like, "Watch this, grandma!" And she's like, "Oh my god, what's wrong with yeah. you?" <laughs> Levitating on your head, spinning in circles. You know, yeah. I could do really cool tricks there. Yeah. But I still was sick, man. Mm. Yeah, I was still sick with that. And uh, it was during, and so when we opened that center, we had uh, some business partners and it there was a lot of challenges. We had had a kid at that point. So that was new for me. I thought I would never be a parent. I would like, I was like, I'm just kind of this lone 
wolf kind of a character. But I had a kid, and that changed my life in a, more ways than just like there's a child. Like it really held the mirror up in a new way. Mm-hmm. And I just couldn't do it anymore. Like I couldn't do both. And I, I, said, I remember saying to my partner, like, if this community is going to thrive, I need to be in integrity and I need to stop drinking. And she was like, uh, duh, like, yeah, you do. And if you don't, you can't live here anymore, mm. essentially. Yeah. And I was like, okay, well, and then I tried the, like, taking breaks. Right. Like, I'm going to go two weeks or I'm going to, and it just would never last. Yeah. And and then uh, she had started doing kundalini yoga when um, she was uh, pregnant, which is a different yoga. And for me, it was like there was like beards and turbans. And I was like, even me, this traditional yoga kind of guy, I was like, that's just maybe a little much for me. So what are like the core for those that don't know what are... If you were to experience a kundalini class for the first time, or what yeah. are some of the core differences that separates kundalini from a, you know, if you went to a community center yoga class or something like that? Okay. <laughs> I'll without try and add. Without, without <laughs> <Pulsner's> <laughs> version. Yeah. Okay. So here's the deal. Um, kundalini yoga, well, the reason why I'm, I just want to make sure that I'm being respectful uh, here because this is what happened. This teacher came from India in the 1960s. His name was, he called himself Yogi Bhajan. He had a different name. And he shared a lot of teachings that had a profound effect on people's lives. Um, But he also inserted a lot of the Sikh faith into these yoga teachings. And that kind of goes counter to the Sikh faith. And that's problematic in many ways because it's, it's okay to say, like, I learned, like, for example, if I say, I grew up in the church and I learned these things about Jesus and they're really inspiring, and, and what I'm going to show you right now, you probably will never see in a church, but I love Jesus, so it just be upfront. Yes. That's okay. Yeah. But what he did was he said, no, no, this has been something that's been happening for thousands of years, and we just haven't been told the truth about it, and just kind of made his own story, kind of like... Mormons or something. Yeah. I know I'm treading on thin ice here, so no. I'm doing my best. <laughs> let's try. Let's try. It's okay. <laughs> so far, tra- to me, it tracks. Okay. Yes. Okay. <laughs> so, so because I do have really uh, deep reverence for the Sikhs, and that's mm-hmm. why I'm trying to honor this. And it also was a problem for me. That's why it's a lot to unpack. Mm-hmm. Um, so, that being said, and we can talk about it later if we need to. That being said. A lot of people who were early followers of Yogi Bhajan converted to the Sikh faith, but they converted to, some, well, not all of them. Some of them converted to this Yogi Bhajan hybrid version of Sikhi that s- many Sikhs who grew up in that tradition would find problematic. Right. Are you with me? Yeah. Okay. Follow on. Yeah. I'm tracking. Right. So, but others, like, they gained great benefit from that experience and that's okay, yeah. you know, like, okay, so that's, oh man, Step one. it's hard, to, it's Step hard, one. It's hard to, to do this. We're bringing all your suitcases today. Okay. We're unpacking <laughs> all of them. Yeah, so, so, okay, and so then a lot of the older teachers from the West were like hippies who didn't really want to get high because that was the big thing, 
and they were interested in spirituality because that was also the big thing. And they discovered this practice and this teacher who was very charismatic. I never met him or knew him personally, but um, they were really moved. And so they took on what he shared as yoga and Sikhi combined, mm-hmm. which he called Kundalini Yoga, which by the way, all yoga is Kundalini Yoga, but he marketed as Kundalini Yoga, right. you see? So he said, oh, we need a name for this. We're going to brand it and, and trademark it. It's going to be Kundalini Yoga. And then we all say, oh, it's Kundalini Yoga. Well, Kundalini is a concept that predates Yogi Bhajan. It's thousands of years old. It would be like saying Tibetan Buddhism, TM. Like, it's like, yeah, yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, uh, wait a sec. Yeah. That's not, Established that doesn't make sense. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> okay. So, so I say all of that to say the Kundalini Yoga that she was doing, my partner, came from that realm. And a lot of the older generation teachers from that would wear all white. They would take vows as Sikhs and they would grow their beard and wear a turban or the women, you know, wouldn't, maybe they would, didn't wear makeup, some do, but you would, you could tell what they were because they had a uniform. Mm-hmm. They were wearing all white. They, you know, had practice yoga on a sheepskin, like there's like a uniform. So she had started doing that and I thought, kind of like the all white and the like i grew up around some like dogmatic stuff like i don't know if that's gonna work for me mm-hmm. you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. but it was really helping her and then my friend you know aaron ash from mm-hmm. gorilla foods so yep. he's a really dear friend i was just messaging before i came here and sometimes when you talk you remind me a little bit of him which is a compliment by the way you know about Gorilla Foods? He had he, this raw vegan restaurant. He's the OG. Yeah. Juice truck wouldn't <laughs> exist if it wasn't for people. Shout out to Aaron Ash. Yeah. Okay. He was also the personal chef to Mike D from the Beastie Boys. No, come on. And yeah, yeah. Oh, wow. And uh, he, my, my original yoga teacher, uh, his first album, Mike D from the Beastie Boys, produced. And it was during that time that Aaron was Mike D's chef. So it was like Aaron, Bhagavan Das with the hair down to the ground, and Mike D all hanging around each other doing yoga and Amazing. eating raw vegan food. So there's some Vancouver history for you. Yeah. But he was always like, there's this guy, Guru Singh. You would love him. Like he kept saying that to me. He was one of my first friends when I moved to Vancouver, Aaron. And I said, well, if he's ever in town, I'll go. Well, this is when I end up going is when I'm like, I need to stop drinking. I have a problem. (laughs) Things are getting really hectic at home and in my business. And then lo and behold, Guru Singh is coming and doing this three-hour workshop. He's from L.A. Right. So I go, okay, yeah, I'll go. And we were even at like a kid's barbecue and like I'm like drinking some beers and like, you know, whatever. I'm like, oh, yeah, I'll go to the thing. Who cares? No one will notice. Anyways, when I went, I was mesmerized by him. Like, he was very wise, clear. I have no idea what we did. Like, I'm not like, oh, yeah, I really like this part of the exercise. Just, I liked his presence, like how he spoke and the things he said. He does the guru's corner thing or whatever on the ritual. Yeah. And, um, yeah, so I was like, oh, I really like this guy a lot. And I, I said to my partner, I said, I'm going to reach out to him and see if he will mentor me. Like, I I need help, yeah. essentially. And he, so I wrote him, blind, like, cold call email, like, hi, uh, you don't know me, but here's my background. And I did kind of like what we're doing here. Yep. And uh, he said, yeah, 
I'll do that. Wow. So we started having calls. And um, so two things happened there that are really important. One thing is I told him about the situation with my studio and the business problem that I was having (laughs) with my previous business partners. And he said, just leave. And I was like, what do you mean just leave? Like there'll be like legal problems. He said, just leave. You won't regret it. Just pack up your stuff and go. And I was like, okay, I guess now I'm taking the random advice of the guy all in white (laughs) and determined to just leave. I didn't even want to go to the class. And now we're just going to like uproot our whole life at his advice. And anyways, he was right. Here we are. But that was a big step. And then the other thing is uh, they have this early morning practice, like 4 in the morning till 6.30 in the morning. And uh, I said, I'm trying to quit drinking. And he said, well, try doing that practice. And then I said, okay, here's what I'm going to do. I'll do it for 90 days, 4 a.m., 90 days, not miss a day, and stay sober the whole time. If I miss a day, I'll go to treatment. I'll go back to rehab. Well, I did the 90 days, no drinking, Every morning, 3.30, up, here we go. I needed it. Like, I have this, I wanted to be a good father. Yeah. I didn't want to go back to rehab. I was ready. You know what I'm saying? So I did it. And then I did it for nine months. I didn't miss a day. It was like a spiritual, like a triathlon or (laughs) marathon or whatever you want to say. Yeah, yeah. The Ultraman. The Ultraman. And then I kept going with that. And I, you know. I've been able to stay sober for many years wow. as a result. And then along that journey, there's been all kinds of, this is like a good interlude. Like this is the intermission. I mean, yes. time. like it's like in part two or the cliffhanger, <laughs> you know, it's like next week, uh, Tiago Prem's crazy life, <laughs> you know, but I, it really did, uh, and, and there also was some challenges with that because I gave a lot of power to the practice because yeah. I thought the practice healed me. Right. And I don't. And now I realize, no, me showing up for me healed me, mm-hmm. and obviously my relationship with God and faith and all of that plays a role. But I, I kept giving my power away, mm. like, oh, it's the booze oh it's this teacher oh it's this practice oh it's this person like i just kept that part of me that really wanted to be a good student and a good son and a good spiritual person uh that it's like a need for validation or something and i kept selling my soul like uh yoga means to yoke and we think yoga, oh, yoga, that's stretching, no, not necessarily. We are all constantly yoking ourselves to things. You yoke yourself to your family. Mm-hmm. You yoke yourself to your political ideals. You yoke yourself to your spiritual, you know, whatever. Yeah. That's, the, that's what it means. Yeah. And so when you talk about yoga, it's like, what are you joining yourself to? Mm. And if you're joining yourself to something that is really, truly, honestly in alignment with your inner knower, then that's the highest yoga. That's why they say bhakti yoga or the path of devotion is the highest path. It's a path of love. But if you're giving away your power to something and it's not quite in alignment or you're sacrificing that relationship to your inner knower, you create karmas. And then those karmas need to be resolved. Like, you know, with my parents. 
oh, I feel this draw to Eastern mysticism and philosophy. Well, that's not allowed. Okay, well, I'll just go along with that. That creates karma that needs to be undone. Yeah. You know, or you probably shouldn't drink. It's not for you. Ah, just forget it. Bloop, 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 bloop. That creates karma that right. needs to be undone. And then the practice of yoga becomes, are you really listening to that part of you that knows? Or are you being infiltrated by external values and expectations and blah, blah, blah? Mm. So you kept attaching or yoking to things that were external to yourself when it was... Oh, maybe it's this. You know that yeah. book, like, Are You My Mother? The yes. kids book? Yeah. <laughs> it's yes. like that. That was me. <laughs> like, I'm like, hey, basketball, are you my mother? No. <laughs> but like I said to you on the way here, there are practices in your life that if you feel called to it, that's for you mm -hmm. and it's always going to be there but your relationship to it will change right you see yeah. so even yoking myself to alcohol mm -hmm. i still have a problem with alcohol in that if i drank it i don't have an off switch i'll just keep going okay but now the relationship with it is that i know that mm -hmm. and i changed my relationship to it where i wasn't i'm not an alcoholic i don't use that language and I can't drink or I choose not to have a couple drinks because what's the big deal? Everybody can do that. It's fine. I change my relationship to I'm allergic to alcohol. It makes me spiritually sick mm -hmm. and removes me from this connection to myself. And why does an allergy just have to be physical? Right. If it makes me sick and distracts me from the person who I want to be, why isn't that an allergy? Sounds like an allergic reaction <laughs> to me. Yeah. yeah. And so now if people are like, why do you drink? I just say, oh, you know, I have an allergy. Yeah. It's so easy. Yeah. You know, because otherwise, like, what's wrong with you? And why don't you drink? Yeah, and, yeah. Then, and then, and then, and then, it's just like, I have an allergy. And people are like, oh, I get that. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <But> <laughs> so, <it's> so funny, <laughs> hey? Yeah. But it is this like language that people can understand because it's so normalized in our culture that you can just everyone should go out and have a drink or two and it's fine. Yeah. That we don't recognize that for a lot of people, like more than we probably even would acknowledge, it's not it's not just a drink or two. Yeah. And so when we put it into a framework like that, then people get it. Yeah. And so it makes sense. There's like a box for that versus like, well, what do you mean? There's no off switch. Like yeah. just stop. And you're like, no, 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 you don't understand. It doesn't work like that. Yeah. And yoke it, but I did yoke myself to that and yoking myself to that, I learned a lot. Mm -hmm. I learned so much about myself, about right. other people, about, you know, and about how I tried, I tried AA, I tried the live-in center, I tried all the things and you know it worked? A steady daily spiritual practice. Yeah. That's what works. Yeah. Not not for everybody, you know, maybe you're different than me, but I tried I ran the gamut of whatever is available and what works is you can bet that 6 days a week, 5:30 in the morning rolls around, I get up to pray and to breathe and to do all of the things that I do. Yeah. And I'm doing them, yes, because it inspires me and it, it like lights me up spiritually, but also I know what will happen if I leave that alone mm -hmm. for a while. I'll just go right into the old grooves. Yeah. So consistency is the, is the practice. It is the teacher like showing up going through the motions, going yeah. through the practice. Yeah, and you have to learn from contrast what works. Right. From mm -hmm. contrast. 
Because if I just, the thing is, is that if I just kept going, oh, I'll just do the same thing over and over and didn't have moments where like I made a mistake or I had a, a challenge with someone or, or I didn't do it for a while and I started to feel myself falling into, the contrast goes, this really works. Mm-hmm. You need the contrast. Otherwise, you, you get bored with it or something. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 But it's even interesting that how, how you were able to, for, for years, like participate in both and yep. knowing like there's not an alignment here. Yeah. And like you, you psychologically like knew, yep. but like kind of embodying that knowledge took a long time. And I think that that's like, I know you joked about like you're kind of on the remedial track, but yep. I think that's true for so many of us. Like, cause I, even in my own life, I'm thinking like, yeah, there's all kinds of things that I like, I know, but it's like embodying that knowledge is where it becomes like, maybe wisdom where it's different than just like, oh yeah, I know that I should be doing this. But once you actually start committing and yeah. following through and being disciplined in that practice, yeah. it fills you. It fills you in a way that the things we try to fill ourselves with never really ever could. Yeah. 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 And you need to learn it from experience. Mm. Well, that's the thing. It's like, I think that everybody doesn't really know at the heart of who they are, who they're called to be and whether they get to do that in this life or not that's the tricky part you know there's this book called the five regrets of the dying and in the book this hospice nurse i think in australia she studied all these different people who are at the end of their life to see if there was a common thread of like what like what was the number one regret of people and the number one you know what it is what's that i didn't live the life i felt called to live yeah and that's the inner knower that i'm talking about and so when people are like yo, he's like wearing a turban now. Oh, now he's doing this. Now he's, and they, and they think like, I don't understand that. It doesn't make sense to me. It makes sense to me because from the moment I was a little kid, I felt this like call to this spiritual life and I didn't have a, a roadmap. I didn't have a, a somebody to go, oh yeah, just do it like this. I had to go and find that. Yeah, There, there was an Instagram or Google. You were <laughs> literally like going through the library yeah. looking for people you could relate to. I had to show up. Yeah, And I'm not afraid to go like, this is in me. I got to do something with it. Mm. And at least I know that I won't be that person at the end of my life going, you know, I should have followed that. I did. I do. I yeah. follow that. Yeah. And it's really confusing, even for people who love me. Mm. Like, they're like, what? Oh, I thought you were. And it's like, it's not different for me. Like, <laughs> it's all yoga for me. Like, my, I went to Punjab uh, in uh, northern India, and I recite this prayer of Guru Nanak. It's called Japji Saab. means a song of the soul. The moment I heard that, I was like, I, I want to know this. I need to know it. Just from the sound. I don't understand the language. But the sound was like vibrating in my soul. Like, mm. So I was like, I'm going to learn this. Well, it's 20 minutes long. It's not like, uh, you know, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Jesus loves me, this I know, or the Bible to hold me. So like it's in another language and 20 yeah. minutes long. So I learned it. And then I heard in India there's this thing you can do where you go uh, down these 84 stairs in a Sikh temple or Gurdwara. And you go all the way down and there's this water that's supposed to be healing water and you submerge fully in the water and then you step on the first stair and you recite the Japji Saab from beginning to end. Then you go back in the water, second step, Japji Saab, back in the water, third step, Japji Saab, back in the water. So you got to think about 20 minutes 
I can go about 10 minutes now because I'm fast. It took 15 hours yeah. to finish. My oh. friends who came with me took 23 hours to finish. And you think like, I'm not doing that because like, I think, oh, wouldn't that be like a fun thing to try or something? Like I like literally, I have to do these things. Mm. I heard you say on that podcast of like, I choose to or I get to. And you said, I have to like, poor me, I have to. And I have to like, this is going to, yeah, yeah, yeah. Th- there's just something in me that has to do it. That's right. That's what I have. That's so good. And it's really confusing <laughs> for some <laughs> folks because yeah. they're like, Wait a sec. What? Like I was in the basketball court the other day and this, I have another uh, Sikh tattoo. I've got all my heroes tattooed all over the place. And uh, this Sikh fellow, he goes like, oh, is that a Sikh tattoo? Is it? Yeah. He looked at me like, (laughs) what? Like, why is this tattooed white dude with a mustache at the basketball court where and the Sikh tattoo he the got the Sikh warrior he's covered in tattoos and he's wearing a minor threat t-shirt the hardcore band from the 80s who I love yeah like it's such like a what the yeah. heck is going on here and at first sometimes people can be um confrontational like why do you have that especially in Vancouver in this day and age like you know that's cultural appropriation or whatever the conversation is. But if you get talking about it, oh, well, I experimented with taking Amrit and I learned to read Gurmukhi and they go, oh, I don't even know how to read Gurmukhi. And then I went and I did this thing where you recite that. And then I realized that I have a deep connection to Guru Nanak, but I'm not called in this life to take Amrit. That's the, to be, uh, take vows. And people are like, whoa, what? And I mean, that's, I've never met another person like that. I'm not saying they don't exist. Yeah. You know, Guru Singh is a person like that. My teacher, Dharma Mitra, is a person like that. But I'm not meeting people on the regular who are like, I'm full on into this spiritual life, let's go. Like, I don't, I, I would like to meet more people like that. Mm. But it doesn't matter because it's like, that's what, you know, we're just doing what we're doing our best to be who we are. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I think there's a, I think there's something about like, we typically see these things as like lifelong commitments. Yeah. And people will, will look at it and go, well, you're like, you're born into a certain family that practices religion or set of beliefs. And so like, that's, you either embrace that and that's what you do, or you kind of reject it and maybe pick up something else, but typically, and that's not for everyone too, but people just kind of drift away from whatever the family practice, religion, tradition was. But today, I think, and I mean, you're you're obviously one like living example where people can be more spiritually eclectic. And I still think that there there's a lot of uh, skepticism or people have a negative attitude towards that because they're like, well, pick something. Yeah. And like, if you're going to believe it, believe it and like believe it for the rest of your life. But it's interesting that like we talk a lot about possibility and like not putting limits or limiting beliefs on ourselves. And it's interesting that like the the sages often would teach like beyond what the religion that came after them holds. Exactly. And so it's interesting that we like elevate the person, uh, for example, of Jesus and his teachings and his life and model. And yet the thing that came after and is constructed after him is almost like if he were to show up 
he wouldn't be able to participate because he'd be too outside of the conventions. Right. He'd be there going like, y'all are doing it wrong. (laughs) (laughs) Why are you in here? Why are you in here with a, with a soft rock band singing nice, like love songs to me when there are hungry people out there. Right. And and where are all the people that like you're angry at? Why aren't they in here with you? Yeah. What is this? Why are you eating and drinking like this around this table when you are not reconciled to your family members and to your community? Yeah. And so I think that for, for, people today who are either listening to this or you know spiritual seekers like i think there is validity to as you did kind of explore where that curiosity is taking you and almost like surrender to that process because if if god or source or the divinity or whatever however we understand it or name it is ultimate like we will be moving I think towards that. Yeah. And if it's like creating a more loving and whole version of yourself, like do those things. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you may even find yourself in a situation where you're doing those things and everyone around you is telling you that the way you're doing it doesn't make sense or it breaks tradition or it, and it's really challenging to be honest with yourself and be like, this is real for me. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like I was listening, I have a, a another mentor today. His name's Dr. Robert Swoboda. He's the first Ayurvedic uh, doctor from the West. So he walks into a school in India in the 1970s to study Ayurveda, and they didn't even want to take him. He mm. had to get a note from his guru that said, like, please accept this Westerner from, you know, Texas or whatever yeah. into the program. And, you know, it's like kind of the reverse of the, some of the stuff that they dealt with in the U.S., like mm-hmm. uh, in the... 50s and that beyond before that right but anyhow he was talking recently about this idea that if you know something to be true you you become like a shiva lingam like so a devotee of shiva they have these stones that people pour milk and water and they pray to in india and it's a rock like it's unmovable and he was saying like what happens often and this is when gurus behave badly and this kind of thing is they're like half cooked so part of the rock is soft like they're not really certain inside with their own faith of what they're doing and then in that softness that's when they cause harm you see what i'm saying Mm -hmm. but if if like if you know like you know that you know that you know that you know that this is who like you know, for me, I love Guru Nanak. You know, doesn't make sense. And it's not him as a person even. I'm not like, dear Guru Nanak, please save me. It's not that. Yeah. I see myself in him, and I'm so thankful for that. And then people say, well, yeah, but you are a Western person, and you don't have the outfit, and you tried, but you didn't do it, so therefore you don't measure up. And then all these stories, but why do I care about that? Mm. I'm not doing this for you. Yes. <laughs> you know, and yeah. that's what I mean. Like the fully cooked is that like maybe nobody's ever done it this way before and that's okay. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's those are my spiritual heroes that I collected all the baseball cards of, you know, like I was like, well, here's Jesus and here's Anandamai Ma and here's all the, you know, Guru Nanak and well, what do I love about them? They're rebellious. Yeah. They are self-aware. It's the same thing that made me go like, I love Reggie Miller. It's, it's a similar attitude. It's like, yeah, okay, I'm going to put these things under my wrists as a form of uh, prayer to keep me on my path. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. And not everyone's going to get it, and that's okay. And you're, like, you're going to probably be different now than you were 10 years ago exploring too. So I'm, 
I guess the whole point of all of it is that like I'm I'm trying now because I I did have moments of like oh I know so many scriptures and I I can do all of these postures and oh look at me like it's that's nonsense too you yeah. can go there so now I'm trying to be like. In yoga, the end goal of yoga, the eight limbs of yoga, is samadhi. Maybe you heard the word. But sama is the same as in English as same. So the end goal of yoga is sameness. And some people say oneness, and sometimes that gets a little too, and sometimes there's hierarchy, like there's one and then there's zero. Like people do that too. So sameness, mm. or like Renanak would say, nobody's higher and nobody's lower. That means like everybody has some unique insight into this great mystery we don't know what it is and can i like observe in a way that i'm like okay why do they do this what is special about this where is the whatever this person is yoking themselves to can i see the good in it i mean that's hard Mm -hmm. because when somebody is like a right-wing uh, conservative Christian person who's like trying to legislate women's bodies, and I'm going like, that's wrong and bad. That's true, and I can hold fast to that. But I can also go like, this isn't an evil demon who, you know, it's uh, somebody who's confused and and hurt. Mm-hmm. And is there a is there some entry point where I could, if I had to, make a connection with that person? Hopefully, I mean, isn't that that's what inspired me about Jesus? Yeah. So that's the whole purpose of a faith like that, and I've seen it in all kinds of faiths. That's what inspired me about Guru Nanak. That's what inspired me about, you know, my teacher, first yoga teacher. He was like praying with the Buddhists over here. And, you know, or I was in India and I watched this young guy. He had a tilak on his forehead, like from the Hindu faith. And then he had a sacred number of the um, uh, Islam tattooed on his neck. And he was going into the Gurdwara to uh, bow to the Guru Granth Sahib. And I was like, we should probably hang with that guy. Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. he's like, where are the people praying? Oh, I want to go there. Yeah. Instead of like, you're praying wrong. Right. Or the other extreme side of it where it's like, oh, this is all bullshit anyways. You know, I heard somebody say recently that there are two dangerous people in the world. The one person is the one who says that like, religion isn't true at all that's a dangerous person. And then the other person that's dangerous is religion is all true. Mm. Those are the two dangerous ones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The truth is always somewhere in between. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Well, I think just like what I'm, what I'm taking away from, from your story, which is there's multitudes, but the, one of the kind of north, north lights that I'm hanging on to here is curiosity and, and just see, seeking and following your curiosity. Because I think as you mentioned, uh, that book, The Five Things That I Wish I Did, like how many times are we curious about something and it kind of itches us and scratches us and we just like ignore it till it goes away. But what if we like followed that curiosity? And the thing is that it doesn't go away. Yes. It stays there, but yeah. you may not act on it. You just keep piling other things or excuses or reasons of why not because it's outside of this community or outside of this thinking or outside of my comfort zone, or I'd have to sacrifice this or that or make some change that might make me uncomfortable. Yeah. But if we follow curiosity, I think, you know, Dean mentioned, we talk a lot about possibility. Yeah. You know, we're going to live a life full of possibility, full of 
learning, full of being a student, and that's exciting. I yeah. mean, just listening to your life, like it lights me up that you've like had this spiritual journey, and that's what our life should be, right? Like a spiritual journey where we learn and we connect deeply to things, and we we find out what resonates with us. And I think to like have the courage to like fully explore that is, is brave because mm-hmm. society wants to put us in boxes and yeah. to be like, no, fuck that. I'm not going into that box. I'm going to try out all of these boxes and, mm-hmm. and I might take something from all of them and that might make up who I am and it might not be from one single box. So, yeah, I thought about while you're saying that in Ayurveda, the sort of the sister signs of yoga, like yes. we think about yoga as a physical practice well, no, it's not spiritual practice. And yes. Ayurveda is the physical practice. Yes. Ayurveda is measurable. It's like, oh, earth and water and fire. That's very physical. I mean, you know. So in Ayurveda, they say the primordial root cause of disease is forgetting who you are. Mm-hmm. Well, if you think about that through the lens of addiction, like we said, the definition of addiction, that's forgetting who you are, yeah. right? I'm doing this thing and I know it's not for me and I keep doing it. Okay, so then what is the purpose of the spiritual practice related to that? And why would I create a physical practice to support that? To remember who you are. Hmm. That's the practice. Remember who you are. Like the Lion King or, yes. you know, remember who you are. <laughs> right? So some part of you, your ancestors, and, and not just your blood ancestors, but all ancestors yeah. are, are rooting for you and cheering you on and saying, remember who you are. And, and remembering who you are, that's recovery. Mm-hmm. You're like, oh, I keep doing this thing, and it's just not in alignment with who I am. And then you make steps to recover who that is. Yeah, That experience of yoking yourself to the original self or to God or to love or whatever makes sense to you, that's recovery. That's spirituality. And that's why for me, you know, spirituality, recovery, yoga, whatever language you want to use, it's the same thing. You're working on the same thing, which is remember who you are. Yeah. It's so interesting. I, I love that. And, and I think that part of maybe what makes it challenging for us is that we project uh, who we think we should be. And we often project who we think we should be based on what we assume other people want us to be or who they want us to be. So there's like two layers of false selves that mm-hmm. we put out there. It's like, oh, I think you think I'm like this, so I'm going to lean into that. Right. But you might not actually think that. And then if I started to recover myself and want to actually be someone who's living in alignment with who I feel that I am, now all of a sudden I'm confronted with, oh, I have to like show myself in a way that is like, oh, actually, no, like, you know, that's not who I am. Mm-hmm. Right. Like the Ryan, Reno, whatever, however you might have known me or whatever box you might have had for me, like this is who I have become and am becoming. And like that's vulnerable and takes a lot of like work to understand. But I feel like that's so important to remember is that like it's not about the pretense of who you think you need to be in the world, Mm -hmm. but rather strip that away and just be who you are. Mm -hmm. And sure, it might be uncomfortable. Mom, dad, like this is is who I am now or partner or friends, lifelong friends. This is me now. Yeah. But like we should always be moving and growing. Like the saddest thing would be to be the same person you are today that you were 10 years ago. Right. It's not, it's physically impossible. (laughs) I mean, you know, you could do a a decent job, but... I think what you're describing from a, you know, 
Eastern philosophical standpoint is that's karma. Like karma is all these agreements that we make that create more uh, uh, challenge. Like yeah. It's like, okay, so your parents expected you to be a certain way. And then, you, like you said, you leaned into that. So you participated in that. Right. And then it created all of this stuff that needed to get worked out. Mm-hmm. Well, and then the dharam, dharam or dharma piece is the part of you that it's all unfolding as it should. And you are going to remember at some point. Right. I mean, that's where you get into like, you know, from a yoga perspective or Bhagavad Gita, it's like, you in with reincarnation you keep trying until you get it Mm. like 8.4 million lifetimes like when i was going up and down those stairs that is to clear 8.4 million lifetimes of karma that's why there's 84 steps and so at the end you know hopefully you've resolved some of your karmas i mean i know i did that was really hard yeah (laughs) but that's this constant dance is like i don't want to accumulate more karmas by ignoring myself Mm -hmm. and people have that like you know it's like if you're not really clear on your vision and values which is hard because if you don't know who you are that's really hard but if you're not constantly working on that karma the world around you is going to impose visions and values on you and the more you take that the more you have to work that out Mm you you have to pay to play essentially so until you get to that aha moment where you go like i'm not doing that anymore then you're just going to keep filling the sack the beautiful part and this is the grace piece Mm. is that they say anyways say to say that you will get a chance you know it's not like some philosophies that say you only get one try you know, in video games, like when you're a kid <laughs> yeah. growing up, like some of them you die and that's it. You got to start a, a, at the beginning or, you know, in some philosophy, that's it. Yeah. You know, the <laughs> mom over. unplugs the game and you're done. Yeah. This is more like you get to finish where you left off. Yeah. Respawn? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Would you like to keep playing? I'm ready. Yeah. Then, you know, Let's so try again. Yeah, yeah. Because one of my teachers, he said... Uh, it doesn't matter if you believe in reincarnation, it happens anyway. <laughs> I love that. I mean, look at science. Yeah. Like, we think, oh, well, if we don't start behaving better on the planet, then there's not going to be any more planet. Well, I'll tell you right now, the mother is infinite. We don't know how long the mother has been here, and the mother will always be here. Humans? It's up for debate. That's, that's yeah. what we've been kind of rephrasing <laughs> that. They were like... There's all this climate change talk about we need to protect the earth. And I think it was on a Darren O'Lean podcast or something, and it totally like changed my perspective. He's like, the earth is going to be fine. It's we need us. to get in the lap of the mother and be like, show us your way. We're tired of trying to control this thing because yeah. that's the karma piece. Surrender. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Earth, earth will be fine, but we need to. Like, pay attention. The sages of the past, that's what they did. All those yoga postures were people watching their relationship with nature. Ayurveda, one of the oldest medical systems on the planet, that's what they did. They watched and they kept the philosophy of anything can be medicine and anything can be poison. Mm -hmm. Nothing is off the list. And in order to know if that's true, you have to experiment a bit, but ultimately you have to be really honest with yourself. Like I I remember saying to a friend, he said, oh, I take uh, cannabis as medicine. Okay, what's it treating? I don't really know. I've just been taking it for 17 years. Okay, cool. 
Yeah. It's not bad or good. It, it could be medicine. Yeah. And every, I think you could use that lens on everything. Like we're obviously in the wellness space with the juice track. Like, you know, if you take, um, you know, a little bit of, of charcoal in a drink that can be detoxing, but it can also like pull all the, all the good stuff as well. Or if you take, you know, a little bit of moringa, it's got amazing health benefits. But if you take a lot of moringa, like you're going to be sick. You right. Know? Like you're or if you take Ayurvedic herbs, but you don't do any yoga, you don't get adequate rest. You you know not working on yourself, but you're taking the herbs, dude. They're not going to work. Yeah. They're not going to yeah. do anything. They're part of a complete system. A system yeah. which we miss. We like to take parts. Yeah. You know, cherry pick. Okay, this 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 is wellness over here. This is wellness over there. And um, like my, I'll t- just to yeah, jump, jump in, in there. My teacher Dharma, he said one time because I was like, as a young you know student, I was like. I was watching this situation where there was all these people in the in the class who could do amazing, like Cirque du Soleil people, like New yeah. York City ballerinas, right? And in the <laughs> lobby of the practice space, they were like, oh, Sri Dharma, he's my guru, I love him, like I'm so reverent to my teacher. And then we would get into the room and I was, uh, I had the um, blessing to assist him. So I wasn't just practicing, but I would watch how he is, which is pretty cool yeah. to get to see. And, uh, you know, 100 people in the space. And I would watch the people who were, like, having this self-professed vocal, like, everybody look at me, I love the teacher kind of show. When we'd go in the room, he would say, like, don't just uh, just do this simple variation to start so we're all together in the collective consciousness. And so many people would be doing the simple thing. But the people who were all doing the song and dance were ignoring him. Yeah. And I thought, wait a sec. I mean, this happens in many spiritual communities. And mm-hmm. I thought, but I thought you really love this person. Like, if you really love them and they're asking you to do something, and it's not compromising your values or anything. It's just like a simple thing. Like, yeah. draw a line. And you're like, okay, here's a line. Ooh, and you go all over, you know, make it like a whole painting. And it looks like a photo of a sunset. Yeah. Well, that's wonderful that you can do that, but you're not listening. You haven't done the thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I asked him about that. And I said, you know, what do you do when, when you're a teacher and people are, they want to be good students, but they're not listening to you? And he told me, he said, there's three types of students and there's three types of teachers. And this is like what you're saying, how we grab pieces of wellness. He said, the third group of students, they're lazy. They complain. They, I paid, I deserve this, like, you know, uh, self-righteous or entitlement or like that kind of thing. And then they need a teacher like that because they'll be able to uh, receive that frequency. Mm. And then the next group is the biggest group, he said. And those are the ones who sometimes they really sincerely mean it. They really want to serve. They really want to, you know? And then sometimes they're like, forget this. I mean, this is stupid. I'm not doing it. Or like, just ignore it. Or be so wrapped up in themselves that they didn't even hear it in the first (laughs) place. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And then he said, and then there's the last group, and it's a very small group. And he said, they they just listen, no expectations, like the Tiaga, like n- no need for fruits for your actions. You just do it because it's the thing to do, yeah. and you know it. And there's like, yeah, sure, I can put my legs behind my head, but he's asking me to just stand here, so I'm going to do that. 
it's no big deal. Like, why wouldn't I? I'm yeah. here to as a student, so I'll just listen. Even though I could, you know, if the teacher says, play a G, okay, on the guitar, play a G, not me. Yeah, yeah. Okay, that's cool. Anyhow, and then, and we go through that process. We usually start in group three, and then as we discover who we are, we go in group two. And yeah. then as we discover who we are, we go in group one and we're humble and it's not, you know, we're older and wiser and all of that. And he said, and that's a natural progression yeah. and you don't have to fix it. Mm. Nature will just take care of itself. And I thought, he's kind of right. Yeah. <laughs> so the student and the teacher mirror and reflect each other and they find where you they are. You just show up and yeah. do the work on yourself because yeah. that's all you can do. Yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And there's no... Uh, to borrow language from from someone I've learned a lot from, uh, he's a Catholic uh, theologian, Richard Rohr. He says, "Oh, he has I love a, him." He has a different thing where there's like the three boxes of life, and just like in that, there's no direct flight from like the third group to the first group. You got to like move through the process, right? Yeah, you got to just show up and work on yourself because that's all you can do. Yeah. and by you working on yourself, you benefit yeah. the people around you. Totally. Yeah. Okay, I've got a really like um, simple but difficult question. Okay, we'll see where it lands. What is the meaning of life? Okay. Yeah. In thirty seconds. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, in three sentences. We're kind of going there, actually. Oh wow! So when you were chatting, when we were going through your story and all these things, and you're talking about society wanting to fit you in a box, as some having kids, I think you can relate to this. We try to simplify things, you know. Yeah. So I was thinking about Daniel Tiger. My, my youngest son likes Daniel Tiger, and he always says, I can be more than one thing. And he teaches, you know, you can be an astronaut and a basketball player. So just kind of on that lens of simplicity for kids. So if you were to talk about your spiritual te- teachings from your journey and you're trying to explain it to your daughter, like here are my core takeaways. If, if I can pass, you know, some simple messages to you, my daughter, uh, to Marley, um, to summarize a lot of your spiritual teachings and journey, like what what would you you say to to Marley? Well, she's ten now, yes. so it's a different, so we whole have, different. We can have the experience. lens of experience. So yeah, so because at ten, it's like you're ten. You don't have to wear makeup to school. Yeah, that's very different than yes. Daniel Tiger. Yeah, yeah, times. yeah. Yes, you know what I'm saying. Yes. So okay, so if the big like, one is like. This is the age old, you know, motherly advice is like, be who you are. Mm-hmm. And you might not know who that is. And that's okay. Just remember that nobody owns you, including me. And everybody in life is your teacher. Hmm. Perfect. <laughs> you did it. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, and you don't have to wear makeup to school. You're ten. That's <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I let my partner field some of that, like you know, the what people do to young girls in our society yes. and sexualize them, and that's why she's experiencing the programming. Mm-hmm. Nothing wrong with makeup. It's neutral. Like we said, yeah. anything can be medicine. Yes. Yeah. You're putting on makeup and it makes you feel beautiful. Yay for that. Yeah. But also be aware the that there's a a system put in place that may not have your best interests in mind. And as long as you're choosing what's true for you, that's great. But my role is not to be your owner, but to 
support you to grow and be safe. Yeah. Yeah. That's so good. Yeah. I have two, two daughters, so eight and six. So Not just coming up behind you. Moving into the tween <laughs> zone. Oh, the yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Okay, I got That's a couple more words. lofty ones, and then either we can land it or yeah. just see where things sure, go. Sure, 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 sure. Okay, so um, as someone that's, you know, versed in, in, in religious theory and has done your best to practice what you've, you've learned, um, just some, like, general questions for, for people listening. Like, I think we're hopefully, like, emerging from this pandemic period where there's been a lot of darkness, anxiety, fear. Um, so I think some people have lost their light or their lightness. Mm-hmm. Um, so... Um, these are two things you've talked on. And I just, I, I think it would be helpful for our listeners to, to touch on them. The first one, uh, meditation for cultivating peace. Can you just kind of touch on that? And then I'll get to the second one after. Okay. So here's the tricky thing about meditation is that, uh, like we said, Zen, I said very Zen. So in yoga, specifically in yoga, but we could apply this that connects to many different paths. Uh, meditation itself is something that arises. Um, it's not something that can be practiced. We'll start really sort of esoteric and then dial it in, hold it in your hand. So in yoga, there are eight limbs of practice. Okay. And they're almost, uh, cumulative, like a staircase, but it's not like you finish and that's the end. You probably learn the staircase so you can go up and down freely mm-hmm. as opposed to, I've arrived, or you'll always be on step one. You're <laughs> no good son of a... You know. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so uh, we'll, we will get to the meditation, but I just think it's important to share this. So the first stage is uh, values or ethics. Okay? And at the center of that, the heart of that, is ahimsa or compassion. And that doesn't mean by somebody else's standards. I'm not talking about that. I'm saying if you do not have a desire somewhere, like the uh, Grinch, you know, the tidy like heart underneath his heart yeah. was a few sizes too small or whatever. If you don't have a small inkling going like, I know that there is this loving being inside of me, then the process won't even start. Mm. Okay. It's there, but if you won't acknowledge that it's there, it's there for everybody. There has to be a spark. Yeah. It's, you can can light that fire. Yeah. Bhagavad Gita says that there is a small piece of God or Krishna to the right side of the physical heart inside of every being. And whether we're aware of that or not, that's up to us, but it's there. Mm. Nobody's, you know, in the eighties, they had this poster on the like counselor's wall or something that said, God, don't make no junk. You know what I'm saying? Oh, like yeah, yeah. You know, something like that. Everybody, everybody there's, there's has a spark it. in everyone. Yes. Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. So that's the beginning of the journey. It's like, you got to be aware of same with recovery. You got to admit there's a problem and then the journey begins. Mm. So you admit that like the path is about love and I'm going to find a way to be more loving. Okay. You're ready. You're ready to start. Okay. And then from there, you build values around that. Like, how do I bring more love into my life, into the world around me? Then step two, what are the routines and rituals that support that? Because it's one thing to go, like you said, the Beatles song, we can all go, yeah, let's all love each other. And if there isn't any discipline connected to it, then the 60s happen. It's like, oh, yeah, we'll all just love each other without any discipline and this it won't work yeah you know there'll be some beauty in it 
we get Jimi Hendrix. Yay for that. Everybody loves Jimi Hendrix and Grateful Dead and, you mm-hmm. know, you get it, right? I get so it. So some routines and rituals that support the love. And those are unique to everyone. I mean, in yoga, they're cleanliness. Keep your house clean. If you keep your house clean, you won't have so many hooks in your mind. That's pretty simple, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Contentment. You know, don't be attached to always being the best. It's okay. Sometimes you're not going to be the best. It's okay. Like that kind of contentment, right? Tapas, which is not Spanish appetizers, <laughs> but discipline. Like, <clears throat> like if I want to keep playing ball, I'm 41 years old. If I want to keep going till I'm 60 at least, that's what I want. I'm going to have to do my two hours of yoga every day. I sometimes feel like I don't have time. But if I don't do it, don't get up early, don't, I can't do what I love. Okay, well, then I'm going to do it. Yeah. But it requires effort. And then study, svatyaya, you have to study. You know, you want to you want to make love the center of your life. You want to be liberated from suffering. You got to learn. That's why we listen to podcasts like this. Yeah. Study, like make space for it. And then the last one is called Ishvara Pranidana, which means devotion to God or something. Like something that when you're behaving in a way that is out of alignment with your true self, somewhere to look that goes like, hey, buddy, remember this isn't for you? And you go, oh, yes. Thank you. You know, And by grace, you carry on. Right. We're not even at meditation yet. So this is the beginning of how would I even begin to experience meditation? This is a lot to take in. So we'll make it really simple. I want to be more, I want more love in my life. What are the things that support that? Pay attention and do them, like you said. That's mm-hmm. it, okay? Then the next one uh, is asana, which means your connection to the earth. So some kind of physical practice. You run, lift weights, do like move your body, yeah. you know? I was listening to a woman on the radio, CBC, yesterday, 105. She was celebrating her 105 birthday. Yeah. And they asked her what's the key to her longevity and she said she got to keep moving even if it's after supper and she feels tired she said i go down in the basement and walk back and forth in the basement because i don't want to lose my figure she said (laughs) (laughs) classic Uh, that's amazing but you see what i mean like your connection to the earth this is the earth yes muscles bones flesh like you're living in this body that is eventually going to expire you know no matter how many um great billionaires there are who are going to tell you that it's not the mother will always prevail yeah yogis have known this for a long time and that's a beautiful thing Mm -hmm. you know i saw a bumper sticker the other day that said i love aging and death i was like (laughs) that's amazing very profound (laughs) (laughs) that's a good one okay so Connection to the earth. Yes. So move your body. Yeah. Yeah. Learn about the soil. Like you're made of earth. So that's part of this process. We're still not in meditation. That's okay. Let's yeah. keep going. Yeah, let's I'm keep going. Okay. I'm following. Pranayama. So some breathing. You know, pay attention to your breath. You want a long life? What do you do for a living? It's not your job. You breathe. You, if you learn to breathe well, you'll have a better quality of life. Mm-hmm. That's it. You know, and it doesn't have to be complicated. I do pranayama in the morning 10 minutes every day, and it changes everything. Just 10 minutes. It doesn't have to be some, you know, two-hour long workshop and blah, blah, blah. Simple. Simple is best. Some some breathing. Your breathing could be like, oh, before I respond to my wife when she's angry with me for not doing the dishes, I'm going to take a deep breath in and a deep breath out. And then I'm going to respond. And it will probably change your relationship. Yeah. 
instead of well you didn't do it yesterday and then you lost yeah Boom. <laughs> you know? gloves are off yeah. Yeah. yeah so okay so some relationship with breath okay some healthy relationship with your senses like we have some craving like oh i want to drink beer like i heard a guy in recovery 25 years sober he said still on a hot day i have a voice that says i could really go for a beer right now I don't do it. In fact, I have a good laugh about it to think 25 years and you still don't get it. Yeah. You know, that's a relationship with your, a healthy relationship with your senses. Yes, my taste buds may think a Corona would be really good right now, but it's not in alignment with my Dharma. Mm -hmm. So a healthy relationship with your senses, not sin and all of that stuff, just you it, take in the world through your senses. So just be mindful that what you're taking in is in support of your best self. Yeah. Okay. Now we're on... Uh, five. Wait. Yama, Niyama, Asana, Pranayama, Pratyahara. Five. Okay, la last. We're on the home stretch now. Three more, right? Three more. You Oof. got it. There we go. Okay. Next one. Concentration. Some kind of practice for concentration. This is what a lot of people call meditation. Okay. So uh, my daughter, if she has uh, anxiety, social anxiety, she does this pushing you can't see but she pushes yeah. her thumb to index finger thumb to middle finger thumb to ring finger and nobody knows she's doing it and she's just concentrating on like i'm here i'm present or mm -hmm. some people say like what are five things you can see in the room that's a concentration yes. exercise yeah. right or like something to make yourself present that's what we call meditation right okay? so it's something you can do or like I have these beads right here, like Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, you recite the mantra or whatever, you know, I am love or I am loving awareness, that's the Ram Das, you know, something that brings you into the present moment. Mm -hmm. Okay, so that's what we call meditation. But yoga says, if you do all of these six things, meditation will arise. Okay, so what is that? Well, what do you experience when you're, you know, out for a run and you have that moment where you're not racing to beat your time, you're just, you're doing it. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, like uh, you're, I'm, sometimes I'm doing a practice and I'm just trying to get it done and going through the motions and I'm listening to some mantra and some beautiful song will come on. Maybe one I never heard before. I just put it on shuffle on Spotify and like some, from any tradition too, it could be, gospel music or it could be mantra music or it could just be instrumental and then i have this moment of like i'm so blessed that i get to do this with mm -hmm. my life like mm -hmm. i you can't even put words to it you're just like ah oh. you know that's what i'm talking about that's the, the meditation the flow part. state yeah it's the experience mm. of what we're talking about here. So we're going, these six things, if you do them, it's going to create a great environment for meditation to arise. Yeah, That's what it is. And then if, if you're going into that experience of meditation, the word is dhyana in Sanskrit. In Japanese, the word is zen. Same. Mm -hmm. right? So you, you ask a trickster, zen is very tricky. So if you ask some zen master, oh, what's zen? And they'll give you some trippy thing where you're like what i don't understand that and then you'll turn it around in your mind and then maybe 20 years later you go aha i know what he was saying you know so the it's subtle you can't hold it yeah like how do you describe you say to someone who doesn't have children when my daughter was born i've never experienced anything like it 
like I, I was like high and I was laughing and crying at the same time and I didn't know who I was and what <laughs> was going on and you know all like and they're going yeah okay cool or even <laughs> us like who have had that experience as fathers it's still like we can say it but it's not the same it's no no what you're saying right so it's the experience of like really truly being alive or something yeah. that's the zen piece and then if you keep going into that state, because you have to be aware to do that, because there are fathers who don't do that. Like I have a friend in New York. She lives in Central Park West, amazing house. Like I, I was staying with her when I was with Dharma and she was in the spa downstairs. I was late coming down. I was unpacking some things. This place is unbelievable. You would be like, what? People live like this? It was insane. But get this. She's like 40 years old, doesn't even have her driver's license, lives in New York City in a palace, essentially, but way up in a building. I come down, she's sitting in the spa, and she goes, oh, there was some basketball player just in here, this big black guy. And I was like, who was it? And she's like, oh, LeBron something. I was like, what? <laughs> what do you mean? Are you serious? She's like, I think so. I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> like, <laughs> so funny. <laughs> some basketball fan yeah. yeah anyways I, i'm getting uh he probably got a kick out of that like goes in there and hey hey oh hey who are you what do you do oh, i play basketball oh really like where yeah yeah the nba that's right who, who are you lebron james oh never heard of you like <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly so i say all of that say like i'm looking at her life and going yeah. like she's sharing the hot tub with lebron james and living in this palace in new york and part of you goes like i wish this was my life yeah your, that's your ego by yes. the way, your ego is not the arrogant part of you. It's the part of you that compares. Yes. That's the ego, right? So I'm like, oh, I wish I had my life like this. But then the more time I spend with her, the more I realize she's got these two beautiful kids. And the father was not even at their birth because he was working. Mm. Yeah. yeah. And I'm like, I wouldn't trade my life for this. Nope. Nope. Oh, man. No, you can't. Uh, you can't. Uh, you might bump into LeBron James at some point, but you can't uh, go back in time to to be there for that. To get birth. that back, yeah. right? So basically, so when you say, "Oh, well, how do you how do you meditate?" What I just described is a, a manual that could be applied to any belief system. Doesn't matter whether you're an atheist or you believe in God or you whatever. That everybody can kind of jump in on, and the end result is to have some experience of samadhi, which, like I said, means sameness. Same. Mm -hmm. You see yourself in the other person. Mm -hmm. oh, oh, you know, you are a Syrian refugee who came here from the, you know, with some circumstances, and you're listening to some uh, family member who has really intense political and religious views saying that they're bad, and, you know, and and you just put it all aside and just be there with the person and ask them about their life. That's a sameness. Mm -hmm. Well, in order to do that, you probably need some undoing of your karmas so you can just be there. Mm -hmm. And I love that. I'm like, oh, yeah, like, oh, have you been to the Hajj, like the uh, pilgrimage to Mecca? Oh, yeah, I have. Oh, that's fascinating. I would love that. What was that like? Like, you that's yes. amazing. Yes. I yeah. love that. Yeah. But that's supported by this, okay, I'm going to live for love. I'm going to do these practices that support that love. I'm going to connect to the earth. I'm going to connect to my breath. I'm going to have a healthy relationship with my senses. I'm going to have a consistent concentration practice. That could be reading the Bible every morning. Right. Yeah. It doesn't matter what it is. Just do it. It's all driven by love. 
We don't take that out. Just like not just Tiaga, it's Tiaga Prem. Hmm. You leave the love in. And if you do that, you'll have these experiences of awareness that will allow you to experience sameness. Yeah. Celebrate that sameness. That's what we, that's what we need. I think like that's, that's so beautiful because we've been so focused collectively and not necessarily us at this table. But I think the narrative that we've been seeing has been amplifying the division where we need to celebrate. I'm a this and you're a that, which is what the ego does. And the ego, like a lot of spiritual traditions try and tell you to get rid of that. You can't get rid of that. Mm -hmm. That's how your mind works. There's a part of your mind that is designed to see the difference diversification and identification and some of that is healthy Mm -hmm. the reason why we're here today is because the ancestors not just my ancestors the ancestors had the wherewithal to be like that's poisonous don't eat it that's food that's the role of the mind going yes this yes that no Yeah. yeah the challenge happens when we go this is the supreme reality good, bad, right, wrong, this, that, and we place that as the supreme reality, that causes dysfunction, Mm -hmm. you know? Because I might be right and you might be wrong, but not absolutely. Mm -hmm. You see what I'm saying? And there's so much nuance in between, like that could be right in one scenario, but wrong in another scenario. You got it. And so that's ego. So when we call it ahamkar and like samkhya philosophy or yoga, and that's a necessary part of life. Like when I, you know, like even me saying the thing with my daughter and her makeup, like some people don't have the best interests in mind and you have to be conscious of that. Mm-hmm. And that's to keep you safe. That's a good thing. Yes. Yeah. But it's also a bad thing because like how could we let that happen? She's a little girl. She should be able to express herself however she wants. Well, that's a good thing. But also... That yeah. could be, you know, and around and around yeah. we go. Yes. <laughs> the circle, the circle. Yeah. So well, your ego isn't bad. Your ego, the, the ego is only a problem when it's al- allowed to drive the plane or your life. And it uh, is allowed to convince the rest of your being that it is the supreme one. Right. It's not the supreme one. The supreme one is this part of you called buddhi, like the Buddha the awakened part of you, that's the part of you that recognizes that you are one with the mother, that all beings have the divinity within them, that everybody is sacred and can be your teacher. That's the part of you that you go, like, pay attention to that, Mm -hmm. and then let this individualization part of you do its job. But don't let it be the The driver. You know, the driver. Yeah, it's uh, we come up to the limits very quickly on that, and it's it's self-aggrandizing and self-appointed because that's where it stops. But if you don't realize that and begin to transcend it, but at the same time include it, then you never you'll never know that you even have an ego because it is just driving the truck. Oh yeah, yeah. and you're right, and everybody else is wrong. Yeah, which we see <laughs> far too much oh, of these a, days. That's <laughs> the, who's right, who's wrong. That's the. Uh, that's the true, you know, global Pandemic. health issue yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. is yeah, that yeah. I'm right and you're wrong. Yeah. You know, and then these great heroes that we mentioned in the show today, they were the ones who went like, well, maybe there's another perspective. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because there's always another perspective. Yeah. 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 The, yeah. My te- one of my teachers would call it like the elevated paradox. It's like there's these two points banging into each other and then somebody goes, well, let's look at it from over here. And you can see 
like a bird's eye view or something. And if you make a circle, if you keep going left far <laughs> enough, and if you keep going right <laughs> far enough, you know. You'll end up to get that. Sameness. In sameness, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, I got one more, and then we can. We always like to do a couple of rapid, fun, rapid fires, fun questions at the end. But I think this might be like Dean. You might have some more questions to give you space if you have more. But um, this might summarize some of what we've been talking about. Um, so you've had, you've gone through addiction, and you've gone through family trauma, and you've gone through a lot of challenges. Uh, for some people, that's been the pandemic. Uh, you know, we all have our, our, our problems, our, our troubles. Um, so some call this the silver lining. Can you kind of talk about blessings in the challenge, getting through hard times and finding, finding the blessing in the darkness or the blessing in the challenge? Yeah, that's, I mean, that is a hard, hard lesson usually. Yes. You know, um, a couple things come to mind. I feel very blessed that I was informed as a youth by hardcore music and uh, bands like Bad Brains and Minor Threat, who I mentioned. They started to, that's where I even learned about veganism, not through yoga, but through the hardcore scene. Mm-hmm. And they had this, I, you know, uh, PMA positive mental attitude. And it was like, positive mental attitude does not mean everything's fine. It means there's a way to to fix it. There's a way to show up. There's a way to see the good in it. But I want to be clear here that like, man, I got my ass handed to me during the pandemic, and I it took me two years to like be like, oh yeah, PMA. <laughs> <laughs> so it's not like this like candy coated like everything's cool. Just carry on. Mm-hmm. So that's one thing that comes to mind. Then another thing is in the Sikh tradition, there's this thing called Chardi Kala, and it essentially translates as spirit rising. And this is a group of people who they did two impressive things in the world. One, I mean, amongst many, but two big ones related to Chardi Kala. One is that they, when there was tyrannical rule happening in India, they stood up. They weren't afraid. And even if they die, and even the farmers' protest that happened in Punjab before the pandemic, as soon as the Sikhs showed up, I was like, they are going to prevail because they won't back down. Yeah. Even the 90-year-old lady out there, like, she is a warrior, you know? And so I see people like that, and I think, if they can do that, I can get through this thing, right? Mm-hmm. But then the other thing that they did that really moved me uh, in history is that they didn't only stand up for their group, there's 10 gurus in the Sikh faith, and there are two of them specifically who were martyred for defending the faith of another religion. Wow. Can you imagine? I love Gave that. their life to go, well, these are Hindus. They should be allowed to practice. They shouldn't have to convert to Islam. Well, they're going to have to, and so are you. Well, okay, what can I do so you leave them alone? Well, we'll kill you. Okay. And one of them, the fifth guru, was essentially burned alive over three days. Wow. And they said, all you have to do is renounce and we'll let you go. Like, what? Yeah. That's, that, that's unbelievable. That is unbelievable, yeah. You know, and so when you say, like, the silver lining, I, like, just think about the intensity of that. I just want to make sure that when anyone listening to this who's having a hard time, because sometimes I've had that. Like, I listen to, like, a rich role or something, and I love him and am inspired by him, and I'm like, yo, but look at your life, dude. Like... <laughs> 
you live in this <laughs> incredible place you have this amazing family like and i know he says it was hard but there's like a part yes. of me that goes like yeah, yeah. come on yeah <laughs> like hollywood lawyer like it couldn't have been that hard obviously i'm being silly but yes. yeah but you know i say all of that say like sometimes it's so hard that like you don't like you may feel like you you won't get through mm-hmm. like that was for me we closed our centers because of the pandemic i had four friends die during that time wow. i had uh this major fall of uh, my teacher's teacher like guru singh's teacher and like because of sexual misconduct in a huge and violent way and then I have this father figure who I'm like, yo, you had to have known about this. And I'd asked him about it and been told, I don't know anything. And at this point, I just believe him. But it was hard. You know, so I'm like watching like communities fall apart. I'm, watch- I'm listening to friends who grew up around that community who were abused. I, four friends died. We had to close our business, which is our source of not only income, but also spiritual insight. And then when we, we were finally like, I can't take it anymore. I got to get out of here because I'm going to start drinking, which I didn't. So there's a victory. There we go. So we pulled shoot and we went to Costa Rica. And when we went to Costa Rica, I had been away from the, what I'd learned from Sri Dharma for a long, long time because I was getting sober doing the Kundalini thing. So I was like, okay, I'm going to go to Costa Rica. I'm going to eat fruit. Yeah. And I'm going to do two hours of like hardcore practice in the jungle. I'm going to fast. I'm going to drink water. And I'm going to get back in the condition that I was, but without the booze. And it's going to be amazing. Like I was ready. And uh, I would love to tell you that I just went there and did that. And it was great. But I went there and got really sick, really sick. I lost 30 pounds. Like I thought I was not going to recover. Whoa. You know, like... Uh, there was a point one night where I was coughing so bad that I couldn't get a breath in. Like I, and I was scared out of my mind. And my, my partner said, like, I think we need to take you to the hospital. Like, you can't breathe. And one of my friends, he, uh, they, in Seattle, he's good friends with Guru Singh. They, he got COVID early before we knew what all of this was. And, uh, I mean, we, that's another thing, but you know, we didn't know anything as opposed to like, everybody thinks they knows everything yes. like that kind of thing. Yes. Okay. So, so somebody, yeah. So he took, they took, uh, him to the hospital and they put him on a vent, uh, ventilator. That's the right word, right? Yeah. Ventilator. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, my mom said to me, don't let them put him on a ventilator. It's bad news. And I'm like, what am I supposed to do? Like, I'm not there. Like, yeah. Do you want me to just call in? Hi, I'm this random guy calling from, you <laughs> yeah. know, like anyhow, shape, they put him on the ventilator. He recovered and then he went home after recovering and then he had complications from the ventilator and he died. Oh man. So here I am, Have middle of nowhere in the jungle. Out. My, my partner's like, I'm going to take you to the hospital. And every part of me is like, hell no, I'm not going like I will die in this room, which is an intense thing to tell your partner. Yes, yeah. Like I'm just going to die wow. for real, you know? Yeah. And then I said, just go in the other room and I'm going to figure it out. And she's like, uh. <laughs> and she goes in the other room, phones my mom, like, this is what's happening. I don't know what to do. And my mom said, do not take him to the hospital. Hmm. Just don't. And I just put my head down between my knees and use all of these years of yogic study to be like, just 
breathe in with all of your life, like yeah. force, breathe in, breathe in, breathe in. And then after that night, uh, I made it through the night. I didn't sleep. It was really intense. And then uh, that was the turnaround uh, point. And then after that, this is the, the question about like the silver lining. Yeah. I'm saying it's not like, and then you just go to the jungle, eat fruit <laughs> and do the yoga and then yeah, everything's good. Yeah. That's not it. Yes. Right? Like I was like on the brink of dying. I didn't know that was going to happen. Yeah. I already felt like I'd lost everything. I was depressed. I lost my business. I lost my friends. I lost everything. I have my family. That's it. Yeah. yeah. You know? And I'm like, what the hell am I going to do? And the state of the world is still like, what the fuck? Yeah, you know? it's a disaster. Yeah, so that's what's going on. And then we we went to Panama after because my mom has a house in Panama. We crossed overland. Dude, when you cross the border from Costa Rica into Panama, you can't drive across. Remember that I've lost 30 pounds. I've been super sick. It's like two weeks later or something that I go, but I'm like, like n- not in good shape. Yeah, like, yes. I'm frail i'm still a mess i'm not well and i'm carrying a family's l- worth of luggage because we were like we're moving away this is we're not going on vacation this is we're it. gone yeah. you know and so i and then i'm like can we just see if we can drive across can't drive across so i'm walking you know over a kilometer in the hot sun <laughs> carrying all, all your possessions all and your i'm family. thinking to myself like so many refugees have had way worse than this man like you can get across this bridge yeah but it was intense wow. you know and then we crossed over land we got to panama I, and i just like Every day when I laid in bed, I listened to the Japji Sab, the prayer of Guru Nanak, and I focused on increasing my lung capacity. I'm a yogi. I've been doing this a long time. Like I can breathe in and hold my breath for a long time. And then like maybe four or five seconds, maybe hold my breath four or five seconds, like my lungs were shot. Wow. And every day that was my practice. No headstand, no splits, no fancy stuff. Just like, hey, could you breathe in? a little more today, wow. you know? And then I did recover and we went to Mexico and I met somebody there who uh, was like, you have a lot of knowledge. I'd gone to his yoga classes. He said, we got to get you back teaching again. Cause I didn't really teach during the pandemic. Like I was a, too depressed. Mm-hmm. I had never taken a break like that from my work, my passion ever it was forced upon me and i didn't know what to do Mm -hmm. and so he was like let's go and so i was going like two three classes a day sweating working through it like trying to get my lung capacity and i got my life back you know so there is a part of me along that journey that knew it's going to be okay and that you're here to do this and if this is where you're going to die this is where you're going to die it's okay you know But the silver lining piece is that, like, I knew the things that could help bring me back. Mm -hmm. Mm. And it was, and that's when I I had turned away even from Christianity and from Jesus. And for whatever reason, when I was recovering and laying in the bed after my my dark night of the soul, (laughs) I was listening to all this, like, Maverick City music, gospel songs, and just weeping. Wow. You know, and I did a whole series you can hear on my podcast where I'm just like singing from the rooftop, Jesus saved me, 
you know, because I felt I felt like that. Yeah. But it wasn't because like of any rules. And my partner's like, "What is going on with you?" And I was like, "I don't know." I felt like I was on death's door, and Jesus was what came up, and so we're just gonna roll with that for yeah. a bit. And I just have kept saying to her, like, "It's not. They're not different. Gurunanak, Jesus." the divine mother like these are not different things it's our ego mind that goes well this is the path and this isn't it's the same entity that is in us Sameness. right and so like just try and soften like because she grew up in a house that was like anything that resemble resembles a religion is bad. bad yeah and so i was like just try and like feel the beauty of the music. That's what will heal you. Because that's what was happening for me. It wasn't like, oh, and now I've, uh, you know, followed the Ten Commandments, like, or whatever. Yeah. I was just like, this music is so beautiful. It's giving me life. Connected just like those, those <laughs> you know? So yeah. Just like the A-limbs that you were connected to, to yeah. your, your body and your breath and and the earth and your senses, and that's yeah. what showed up. You got it. Yeah. And yeah. that's why they say the fastest path to experience that sameness is the path of devotion. Mm. And what is the path of devotion? When you're hearing a song that makes you want to cry and you don't know why, that's devotion. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. it's inexplainable, and, and you can't explain it. You're just like... This makes me feel like I am love itself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, go into that. Yes. And then there's a bunch of people connected to that in all the different walks of life that are going to be like, you know, I love punk rock. People are like, well, that's what you're doing isn't punk rock enough. And then you go into the church. Well, uh, you know, you've had these really profound devotional experiences, but the way you're behaving isn't church church enough. Yes. Oh, you're, you know, it's like, People are always going to criticize you, so yeah. just the the experience of the meditation that arises go into that. So when you say like the silver lining, I'm going like, I knew that if I got through, mm-hmm. I knew that I would continue on with what I've been working on my whole life. But if I die, that's it. Like uh, I said in the secret faith i love this concept of hookum like there's a story about uh, guru nanak and he he's like the original punk rock guy because he sang everything yeah he didn't go around and preach at people he was like okay we're gonna sing this teachings of sages from different traditions and people are gonna have an experience that's how it's gonna work and even now like you've been in harmander sahib in the golden temple there's no preacher no preaching allowed yeah music there's only music all you know 22 hours a day or whatever they do there's beautiful music and you can come in and receive it everyone's welcome and we'll feed you all the senses connect yeah that's so beautiful right and so guru nanak he got that right from the get-go he's like no no if we start talking and preaching and then everyone's going to divide and so we're just going to sing Hmm. And we'll sing from different traditions. And then so people will be like, oh, hey, that's my tradition. There's a p- spot for me. You know? <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So he got, he got it. And it became... so cool. Right? And it became like a, a social movement, essentially. Like there's room for everybody. Yeah. You know? And that's, that's, to me, like that's what inspires me about that. Is mm. like how... Do, that's a person who stood f- for sameness, yeah, and made space for it and created something where you could actually 
have that experience regardless yeah. of like where you come from. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so like, you know, I can see like in him, what drew me into the punk rock, what is all the same thing. Mm-hmm. Gui- it's the guiding force essentially is what I'm trying to say. And yeah. it's in all of it. Yeah. It's in the gospels. It's in the, and so I love doing that. Like, I'm like, oh yeah, I'm going to do a, a series on the Sermon on the Mount. And then you watch some people just be like, drop away, like your followers or people are like, what's with the Jesus thing? And now it's like, and now we're doing Bhagavad Gita. And they're like, he's doing that now. I'm like, little do you know, is the same. Uh. Krishna and Jesus, just take a look, do a little study. You'll see it's the same essence. Mm. Yes. It's, they're not different. The only reason you think they're different is because you're looking through that ego part of, of you that's saying, Oh, it's a th- you're either this or that. Right. Well, even that YouTube sensation video that did millions and millions of views, the Zeitgeist mm-hmm. one. Like, I think it in in that video, it's trying to like, kind of maybe point out like maybe there's a different agenda, but it 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 shows that all these spiritual teachers are the same. Yeah. Like their birthdays are the same. They're like full of, like all these things that are the same, you know, and. And I think we try to, like you mentioned, we try to say, well, this one's right or that one's right and villainize the others. But uh, Well, it's like the, the three groups. They're going to meet you where you're, <laughs> where you're ready. Yes. Like you're yeah. like, oh, I'm ready for this now. And then, you know, you become the wise sage as you see it's in everything. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. Dalai Lama, uh, he said, like, your greatest teachers in this life are the people who criticize you and try and harm you. And like I've been in Dharamsala and I've been in the Tibetan Museum and I've seen the accounts of nuns who have been tortured by Chinese officials. And to hear somebody say, those people are your greatest teachers, bless them. Like, I'm just like, what? That defies logic. Oh, defies logic. What's that? That's love. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. I love that. Yeah. Right? That's uh, to bring it back like that's the uh, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Yeah. Right? Sermon on the Mount. Yeah. And that's the whole, that's the same that's the same. Yeah, and it's coming through Dalai Lama, but he's not Christian. Well, if you asked him, he'd probably say, you know, that he, his best friend was Yes. Desmond Tutu. Yeah. I mean, if anybody's never read that book, Book of Joy, it's a good one. And it's amazing. (laughs) Yes. And I've chatted a lot about that book. Well, I think, um, firstly, I'm grateful for for you, your space, your teachings, the journey that you've shared with with all of us. Uh, You know, I, I was fortunate to have come to Dharma Temple when it was a physical space. I know it's still a spiritual space, but I I opened opened my eyes in that short time to what's possible and you know, I think we'll definitely have round round two because I'd love to. I like, did leave you with a cliffhanger, but I did fill in some of the gaps later yeah, yeah, on yeah. in the jungle, sick in the jungle. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah wild. Yeah. But I, I'd love to like dive deep into like just like one teaching or two teachings and go really macro on some Anytime. some small things. Yeah, that'd be awesome. But maybe we can wrap up with a couple uh, rapid fires and then sure. we'll send you on your way just a couple quick ones i i got one okay and it's it's the ego i already know it's my ego asking this question (laughs) but i'm gonna ask it anyway uh recently got into just like different different modalities of moving my body and realized like i can almost do a handstand yeah it's like what are the tips to do a handstand (laughs) clearly an ego question yeah yeah well i mean i would take the more the the 
perspective of my teacher who's like, you know, you want to be young in your life, then be playful. And the handstand is about as playful as it gets. So don't be so attached to the outcome, but just enjoy learning how to stand on your hands like what a cool thing yeah look what i can do or like i said with my grandma Grandma. like grandma watch this (laughs) instead of like i gotta do the thing so that i can get the good picture and put it on instagram not that you're doing that but that's a thing yeah you know and just enjoy playing and especially when you have kids too like you're i love doing that like i'm like hey you guys want to see something cool and then we're all doing you know yeah doing a handstand so the as far as technique goes, it's really all in the fingers. And if you have tight hamstrings, if you can get your hamstrings open, it will help your handstand practice. Okay, that's a good tip for me. Yeah. Bing, bada, boom. Oh, it's yeah. always all in the hamstrings. Hamstrings. <laughs> it's goddamn tight hamstrings. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, I am not a naturally flexible person, and my ability that I have in yoga, like, this is really cool after the time in the jungle. I'm getting all of these things back that I used to be able to do, but with a new awareness Mm -hmm. because I am am wiser and more intelligent. So instead of when I was younger trying to take them, like trying to take and hold on to the poses, I'm just like going through, I know it will come when it's ready. Mm -hmm. And then the sweetness of the practice is just magnified as a result because I'm not gripping so much and trying to get there. I'm just like, I'm here. I'm going to do it. Some days it's there. Some days it's not. If I work on it every day, then I become receptive to the practice Mm -hmm. instead of like trying to get ahead and get ahead and get ahead. Just in the flow of it. Yeah. And I just show up like, you know, I, I mean, I also, (laughs) I do a lot of asana like some people would be like oh that's a little weird (laughs) because i get up in the morning because i have to because i'm not naturally flexible and i want to be of service to people and so like i wake up and then i uh you know i chant and then i read from some scriptures depends what i'm studying at the time and then i probably do an hour of yoga like but more not gentle but basic yeah like Basically, I'm like, okay, can I get the body into lotus? What do I have to do to get there? Stretch my quads, open my shoulders, open my wrists, and then I get my daughter ready for school. Then I usually go to the hot yoga, like near my house for one hour. And then I really like work on, I'm stiff here and my back's open. And then maybe if I have time, if I'm not playing basketball at night, I go again, the third practice of the day. But some people are like, what? I don't have time for that. You don't have to do do that. Mm-hmm. I do it that way because this is my my life and I love it. Yeah. You know, you're, you're, it's funny. I might say, oh, I don't have time to do that. But then my phone tells me once a week that I spend five hours a day on it. <laughs> so, <laughs> no, I mean, I, I love it. I, and I look at my teacher, Dharma, like I said, he's 83. My grandmother is about the same age, yeah. and she has difficulty walking. Right. And I watch him, and I love her, and she's so amazing, and I wish that she didn't have the pain in her body, but she didn't have the same karma as Dharma, yeah. <laughs> his name, Dharma, Yeah. right? Like she no left fled world war ii as a teenager and came to this country and saw things that are still blocked from her psyche like it was a different experience 
However, I am blessed to have a mentor in my life who recognized the importance of diet, the importance of fasting, the importance of breath, the importance of spirituality. When it was weird, when people are like, what? This mm-hmm. guy just tried, I, someone said I should try yoga and this guy just gave me a bunch of sprouts and was yelling at me for not being able to do the splits or something <laughs> like what? You know, but I'm so blessed to see that and go like, that's a possibility. Yeah. Like you could be 83 years old and just like crystal clear, strong, flexible, funny, like that's a possibility. Yeah. And I like that. And so I feel blessed to have that because my Oma, she didn't have that. She didn't have a point of reference like that. Yeah. Yeah, that's you know? so good. And he is always saying the the fancy poses are not the point. Hmm. He can still do them, but it just takes the like striving out of it and just be like, you love if you love basketball, like people say to me, oh, I can't play anymore because like they got all the stories, you yeah. know, oh, I can't because of this, this and this and that. If, and it's like, if you love that, you'll make space for it. Even if you can't walk around, like you'll find a way to participate. Yeah. And if you don't really love it, it's okay. You can let it go. You can let it go. Yep. Yeah. You know, and that's all right. And you can, but if you love it, like I, I for a while thought, oh, I'm not supposed to play basketball because it makes you stiff and I want to be this yogi who can do all these postures and blah, blah, blah. Ego, like you are saying. And then when my daughter was getting a little older, I was like, well, if I want my kid to play hoops, Instead of figure skating, but I'll support you no matter what. (laughs) 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 Then she's going to need to be around the culture. Yeah. Yeah. So then I started going and and playing and I was like, what is wrong with you? Why did you go away from this with some self-righteous attitude? (laughs) And now I'm at a point where I'm like, I go out. And I play, and it's fun, and sometimes it's good, and sometimes it's not. I'm just thankful that I get to touch a ball. To do it, yeah. yeah. It's so great. Yeah. That was awesome. You know, like, yeah, anyhow. Basketball again, Dean, that's the takeaway. It's true, yeah. yeah. The takeaway, let's get some, some court time. Hit any time. time. I'm, down to, I'm down to play. You know, the, like, that's one team on this podcast. So many people, like, doesn't matter if they're a painter or a physio or a yogi. Like, there's so many bas- basketball true. players. We need, like, a, a little more good basketball attorney. Honestly. And Guru Singh, too, is a big fan. Yeah, I don't know if you all know that. Oh, but okay. Let's yeah. get him out. <laughs> he's, <laughs> like, with the iPad. Like, he's finished teaching. He's in the back with the iPad well, watching hoops. You're like, yeah. he's pretty tall. Nobody knows that. I mean, I don't really picture him, like, hooping in his robes and stuff. But <laughs> that would make for a great tattoo. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> like the Air Jordan, the Jordan. Guru Singh. Yeah. That's, that, I just went like, that's what I saw. Well, when he leaves his body, which I'm sure is far away, maybe I'll do the Guru Singh Air Jordan uh, t- memorial That'd tattoo. Yeah. There we go. Guru Singh, if you're listening. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. There we go. All right, Dean, uh, if you have any other ones, throw them in. Otherwise, uh, land, it? Land, this, uh, land this ship. Yeah, man. All right, so... Uh, Really, really appreciate you coming on, sharing all that you've shared with us, your practices, your wisdom, stories, laughs, and everything. Um, we've called the podcast a little more good. I know you've listened to an episode or two, but we always try to end with this question just because um, each individual that comes on has a different takeaway response. And so we love to know, uh, having named the podcast a little more good, knowing that's our intention and what we want to like create and see in the world, what does that phrase mean to you? 
a yeah, little more good. Uh, let's keep with the theme of what we talked about today, and that is like to make a conscious effort to notice the similarities with the people around you yeah. because they're there, you know? And it's the easy thing is to notice the, the difference. And we can celebrate differences, and that's all. You know, when I say sameness, I don't mean we all have to be uniform like you know what i mean but noticing that like underneath the surface of the things that are important to us there is this uh potential for connection i guess and that's like where the compassion is the for the yoga which is what i'm interested in in my life is like that is at the heart of it like can you recognize that the other person is you can you recognize that the other person may be, you know, at behaving in a way that's harmful because they were harmed? Um, yeah, I think that's where goodness comes from. It's like, even like with recovery, it's like addiction isn't bad. There's like this stigma around it. It's like, we're all dealing with it. We're all dealing with it. And we all, nobody wants to suffer. Nobody's here going, I hope I have a shitty life. You know, like nobody's doing that. They might be experiencing that and it's causing them to behave in a way that is (laughs) matched to that frequency. But nobody wants that or deserves that. And I think in order for us to do better, you know, it's like, how can we see ourselves in other folks? I mean, I've traveled a lot in my life and I've seen a lot of things, you know, like the poverty that I've seen in India to the um, uh, heroin problem in the Lower East Side of Vancouver. Like it's all that pain and suffering is everywhere. And I I went and saw this punk rock band Propagandi that I grew up on. I love them. And he said like, uh, this singer from the band said, I've been in Vancouver many times and I've seen the problems. It was in the rickshaw, so right down in the heart of it. And he said, I've been here many times. And he says, it's worse than ever before. And he said, and the fact that there's so much wealth surrounding this area and this is getting worse during this time is just a reminder that people don't care. And I thought, like, he's right. And because it's not one or the other. And right in front of the show, they had a building that said, future home of Guru Nanak's free kitchen, right in front that, you know, I've done Seva for that organization. They feed people down there, no questions asked, like, you know, carrying that uh, beautiful Seva of the Sikh tradition forward. Like that's what it takes. And for me, when I was in Vancouver doing Seva, I just got back, so I haven't been able to do it. I literally went to the Sikh temple for like two hours on a Sunday morning. I got time for that. Like if I got time for three hours of trying to put my leg behind my head, (laughs) I can show up and like, you know, and you get to watch some of these beautiful uh, Sikh women cook. So you're like, oh, I'm going to try that at home, you know, because the food is good. It's good. You know, so a little more good for me is like, I'm just thinking like, how do you recognize like that person who's really suffering? Like, that's somebody's kid, yeah. you know, or that's somebody's mother or that's, and it's overwhelming if you try and do it all at once. But if you just do a little bit, like just a little bit, you know, that's, and I think the only way to, is to circle back to do that little bit is to work on yourself. Mm. Because if I wasn't sober, if I didn't have a yoga practice, if I didn't do all of this studying and if I didn't, 
you know, hurt a bunch of people in my life and have family trauma and all of this stuff. And I didn't keep showing up because I believed that at, underneath it is uh, love. You know, I wouldn't even be able to show up for that two hours of seva. So it all starts with you, but don't let it stop there. Let it, let it out. Go out and love people, serve people. Or like um, Maharaji said to Ram Das, he said, gave him this advice. Love everyone and tell the truth. Mm, so good. Well, thank you, Tiago Pram. It's, uh, it's a pleasure to share conversation and to connect again. And uh, thank you for sharing your journey with all of us. Yeah, for sure. Before we go, I also want to note that I have started a program called the Tapas Yoga Studies Program. Yes. And so if anybody's listening to this and you're like, wow, I didn't know that yoga was like that. Like I go to hot yoga or I go to... You know, and I what was said really resonates with me. A great way to go into that and learn about. I mean, this is a rich, rich tradition with thousands of years of beautiful teachings. And I've had the blessing to spend time with two living masters in my life. You know, people who've been doing this for over fifty years. And the reason why I'm able to do what I do today is that I spend time in mentorship with those people. And I didn't have that as a youth, and I was really hungry for that. And I think that, you know, things are changing so much in the world, and we think, oh, it's things are expensive, and I can't afford to go to the yoga class, or I can't. Whatever it might be, I'm telling you that this practice can really help, and doing it with somebody who's really going to give you an integrated and holistic look at the practice that's what worked for me. I'm not the only answer, but if you uh, are keen to study, um, you could go to tattvasyoga.com, and uh, there's lots of different programs, whether they're in person or online. So just so we get it right, T-A-T. T-A-T. T-A-T-T-V-A-S. Yoga. Tattvas yoga. Tattvas is uh, the elements. Amazing. Yeah. So the tattvas are the earth, water, fire, air, the breath, sound, frequency, vibration, and space. Awesome. Very cool. So all the stuff we've been talking about, we can go learn learn from yourself. Yeah, you got it. And also uh, revealing the diamond. I do give teachings away for free on the podcast there. But this tattvas yoga studies program, all of my searching and trying to figure out, like, the beauty of it is that I didn't know where to look. Mm-hmm. And I feel like my calling, my legacy in this life is to, I know there's other people who are feeling like that. And I want to be able to give people a strong, dynamic practice. So if they want to learn how to do a handstand, they can mm-hmm. or not. That's fine. Yeah. But take good care of their body. Learn about the philosophy because without the philosophy, it's gymnastics. And gymnastics are great. But That's what we did today was beyond gymnastics. Yes. You know what I'm saying? And the breath, and also like I go, I have made transcreations of yogic texts, which means that I write them in my own words so that it's accessible. Like my mom could read the Japji Sab or Hatha Pradipika or uh, Yoga Sutras of Patanjali and be like, "Wow, this really makes sense," you know, or you or whoever. Yeah. So it because I really want that for people because I had that experience of maybe it's here, maybe it's here, maybe it's here. Well, let's give a full program. Just like, you know, well, wellness. Mm-hmm. And it's not, you want to be healthy. It's not just go for a run. Yeah. It doesn't work like that. One so, green juice, one run doesn't <laughs> fix. Uh, that's right. It'd be, it's 
uh, this is a good uh, note to end on this part, is that lifestyle is the greatest healer. Mm-hmm. Consistency. Yeah, lifestyle will heal you. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Okay, until next time. Until next time. Tiagafram, thank you so much. Thanks, guys. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed the episode, everybody. Yeah, hopefully uh, there was some meaning in that one for you. Definitely, definitely uh, for all of the all of you who are seekers, searchers, sojourners, wanderers. This is an episode. Hypergeticers. <laughs> and hypergeticers. Like yes, yeah, so you're a little hypergetic sometimes, but that's okay. But yeah, hopefully you found something that uh, resonated with you and are able to um, take take away whether it's whether it's a story of finding yourself finding um your own path or redefining yourself so yeah thank you thank you very much for listening always like share feel free to subscribe uh, pass this episode on to a friend and yeah we hope you enjoyed it and if you're energetic like me and you like running and you're really fast at running and you love gymnastics that's exactly like me there you go so stay tuned for a future episode maybe with joelle talking all things running and gymnastics and being hypergetic but until then my friends keep well peace Love you. peace get ahead of postage rate increases this year with stamps.com it's like your own personal post office sign up with promo code program for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale no long-term commitments or contracts that's stamps.com code program